Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 22. Joe Rogan says no to Trump. In a recent interview, Joe Rogan said he turned down a Trump interview because he does not want to give Trump a platform. What are your thoughts? How are you guys feeling about this? Do you think that that's a mistake or do you think that he's doing the right thing? I see Ashura is in the queue, so I'll go ahead and make Ashura the next caller. You're on the mic. Hello, Sabi. Hi, Ashura. Hey. Uh, before I go to the Joe Rogan thing, I got a couple of uh, topics. Uh, I saw the one on the one about the guy who broke his neck. Uh, the ones that the cops were manhandling. And uh, I saw it on uh, Fox News. For some reason, every time uh, Fox News brings up black people and cops, they have to bring up his record for some reason. And they talked about how he had a gun on him. I'm like, what the fuck has to do with anything? He, he was base his neck was broken. So why do they have to bring up his gun and his record? The cops are at fault. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. For those who don't know, Ashur is referring to uh, one of the stories I covered on RBN earlier today, which was, I don't know if everyone's aware of this, but Randy Cox, uh, there's a, a hashtag justice for Randy Cox. He actually broke his neck. He was in uh, a paddy wagon. The police put him in there. He was not buckled in. Uh, so there was no seatbelt around him. The paddy wagon came to an abrupt stop. And it basically flung him and his head hit the railing and it broke his neck. And so he's now paralyzed from the neck down and he has to wear uh, a breathing tube. The problem is when the police came to take him out of the paddy wagon, he was trying to tell them that he couldn't move and they didn't believe him. They thought that he was drunk. Um, They plopped him into a wheelchair and you could see his head kind of slip, like slump down. So obviously there was no control that he had over his body and they didn't believe him at all. So now uh, there is a a lawsuit in place in reference to this situation, but I did want to share that story. Eric told me about it. And I think a lot of people haven't heard about this story. So, but yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And uh, second, the topic, I don't know if you're going to talk about it next week or Nick going to talk it on on the weekend. Um, They assassinated the former prime minister of Japan. Like straight up, like Abe Lincoln style, basically from behind, just boom, shot him in the back of the head with a makeshift gun. I heard, I heard about yeah. that. I think I'm going to talk about that next week because I, I want to do a little yeah. bit more research about it. When the story came out last night, I was like, holy crap. Um, but I hate to just, I don't like to jump report on stories. Like I like to at least give it 24 hours where I can get more information and then I'll report yeah. on it. Okay, um, so I'm going to get to the Rogan thing. Um, I think Rogan, he, well, they they say he says he's a lefty, but because he brings up uh, uh, people like on the right, uh, people need to stop thinking that Joe Rogan's like a political show. I don't think Joe Rogan has any political compass. I think he just takes things out as he sees it. Uh, So to me, I see Joe Rogan is just a show where just white guys you just can't, can't go up there and just talk shit. So it's not a political show. So I don't know why they're bitching about Joe Rogan. Is it because they want Joe Rogan's numbers? Do they think they can convert Joe Rogan's uh, callers to go watch TYT? What the fuck is up with that? Like, 
why the hell do they hate Joe Rogan so much? Because I can't remember. Because I can't remember what Joe Rogan actually did for them to hate them. Is it the vaccine thing? Mm-mm. It started. It started before then. I mean, it escalated with that, but what it definitely. It, they don't like the fact that he brings on right wing people. Oh, okay. And I don't think he's had them on. And someone can let me know in the chat if I'm I'm incorrect. But I don't think Joe Rogan has had on. Jink or Anna on oh, his podcast. No, he's, um, he's had them not, uh, on. I've I've basically used YouTube, uh, the search bar, and I've tapped uh, Joe Rogan, uh, the Young Turks, or Anna or Jake, and I've seen basically a thumbnail with both of them in the video. Interesting. So I, they, I, I think around 2014-ish, or if not a little bit uh, beforehand. Oh, but see, that's that was before his show was big. Yeah. Because Joe Rogan said, I did see this on an interview one time. Joe Rogan said, like, in the beginning, he was maybe, he was lucky if he had, like, 14 people listening to him. Uh, When did Joe Rogan start his show? I don't remember the exact year. Yeah, because this one. Yeah, because this one. Okay. I thought it was much. Because, see, he didn't have that contract then. Okay. So it so seems Spotify. like around, yeah, it seems around 2014-ish, the video, based on it. And they were they were probably uh, good friends. And um, I don't know, for some reason now, uh, Jane Huger wants to fight Joe Rogan. Then basically, <laughs> Joe Rogan wants to say, yes, I want to fight Jane Huger. Jane is going to back down. <laughs> because Jane Huger says, uh, I'm bigger than uh, Joe Rogan, therefore I could beat him. I'm like, really? This isn't like preschool. This isn't like a middle school where you can just think just because you're bigger than some 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 toothpick kid, you can beat him up. This is a guy who who eats elk meat, elk meat, and basically egg yolk, and is and is uh, basically uh, a known martial artist. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to. Would you want to fight Joe Rogan? Because I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I, I, well, I wouldn't want to fight Joe Rogan, but I would pay. I would probably I'd sacrifice an arm. To basically see that fight. <laughs> I would sacrifice no. on to see that fight. Joe Rogan versus Jake Uker. How long is it going to last? It's so funny, I mean, too. You, if, like... I mean, if you ask the chat, I want to know. Ask the chat. Would you want to see Joe Rogan fight Jake Uker? <laughs> I don't even know why. Why like When Jink made that comment, it was hilarious to me because I'm like, you do realize he's a mixed martial artist fighter, right? <laughs> yeah, but but Jake said Jake said, but uh, I used to fight a lot at school. I can beat Joe Rogan. <laughs> There's a clear difference between you used to fight at school at the play yard versus a guy who basically spent years knowing deadly martial arts moves. He could probably he could probably, he could probably strike Joe Rogan uh, Jake Uger in the chest. One possessing strike at Joe Rogan, and Jake Uger gets a heart a heart attack or some shit like that. I don't know what he's thinking. That is the stupidest thing. I'm like, dude, look, I'd pay to see that fight, though. And I'll be standing outside the ring and be like, Joe, sweep the leg. Sweep then the how leg. About, how about we crowdfund, crowdfund the fight and basically whoever, well, we'll, we'll give the money to Jake Uger. He doesn't need, Joe Rogan doesn't need, uh, Joe, Joe Rogan can win. He doesn't need to take the money. We'll give Jake Uger the loser money. He can have it. <laughs> he can have it. 
<laughs> well, crowd funny. No, I'd pay to see that fight. That would be hilarious, though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jimmy, Jimmy would take that one. Jimmy says he likes boxing, so I'm pretty sure he would. <laughs> we would probably cancel a Jimmy Dore show or one of his shows for just one day if it means Jimmy can fight Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Jink wouldn't show up though. Oh, that that well, I would I would I would love to know what the excuse would be. Is it because Hassan Hassan gave birth or something? <laughs> oh my God, Ashura, I needed that laugh. Oh man. Oh boy. Yeah, um, for Trump, I don't know about Trump. I don't know if um, if Joe would would have platform Trump in reality, but if 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 Trump wanted to come on. I don't think uh, he should have just refused them. He should have just let Trump on, come on his show, and if Trump's a fraud, unmask him. Mm. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Trump sometimes, like Trump said he was, he wanted some things like health care. Uh, he wanted to give people higher wages. It was a bunch of shit, but basically Trump, Trump never really sticks to what he says. All he needs is, is somebody in the room, and basically he, he forgets what he said a second ago. Because he's done that before. As for uh, Trump, I think Trump might run. But uh, the one thing I, I, I think that the, the poll you did yesterday, um, you put uh, Trump and DeSantis separately. Um, I, I wonder why didn't you put it like you put both of them together? I, I wonder why. Because my opinion, and I'm, I, I could be wrong. But my opinion is I have a feeling that if DeSantis announces that he's running, that Trump will probably not run or vice versa. I guess okay. I didn't consider running together. I think I think if Trump were to run this time around, see, I think they'd be really clever. I think they may pick someone as a VP running mate like uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I think they might be clever and say, let us pick a woman. Oh, uh, they're not uh, <laughs> What's that other woman again? Like the one that's almost like uh, I think he's either Israeli or some shit, or even from from Hawaii, Nikki Haley. Like if they, there's no way anybody can want Nikki Haley. Not even a fly would want to basically uh, basically sit on Nikki Haley's head. Listen, Nikki Haley, when she won, this is when I was in um when I when I was still in South Carolina. That's yeah. where she's from. When she won, do you know how much criticism she got from the Republican Party? The Republicans in South Carolina, they were so nasty towards her. In fact, one of the guys, I cannot remember his name. I have to look it up. One of the politicians said, we already have a raghead in the White House. We don't need another one in the State House." Uh, yeah, I think I remember her hearing about somebody saying that shit. Yep, to her. So when Nikki Haley comes on these interviews now and she tells people, that we don't have racism in America. I really want to just grab the TV screen and say, bitch, don't you remember people calling you a raghead? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think, I think they said something about her blowing up the White House. <laughs> I think they did the same thing to Ilhan Omar also. Blowing yeah. up Congress. Yeah, I should explain to people who are not aware. Um, Nikki Haley is a uh, Sikh. And so... Yeah. You know, they were they were coming after her for that. Boy, I tell you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think it's it's probably going to be Trump or DeSantis or DeSantis or somebody else. 
but I don't think Mike Pence could come back because I don't think I could stomach Mike Pence. I mean, Mike Pence might ha- might have too many flies on him this time. <laughs> Mike Pence is a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the one Donald, Donald Trump. It was funny. It's like the president is doing such a great job. I'm like, why are you talking that that soft voice? Come on. <laughs> I heard they broke up after Trump was bitching that he couldn't uh, he couldn't overturn the election. And then listen, they- listen, Mike Pence is one. I remember one time uh, someone was interviewing Trump and Mike Pence was sitting there as well. Of course, he didn't say anything. And I was like watching him. I was like, does this guy not blink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that soft grandfather voice. I'm like, yes, yeah, so the nation should be calm. Yes, yeah, so we, we believe in everything. The president is doing such a great job. I'm like, maybe, maybe, maybe they should run Mike Pence's wife against Donald Trump. Maybe the new slogan would be "Grab him by the pussy." <laughs> oh my God, they probably would. It's just crazy. It's crazy. But you know what? That poll. I mean, I know it wasn't you know thousands of people that took that poll, but that poll was pretty revealing. The fact that obviously nobody thinks that Joe Biden or who was the other Democrat on there? Oh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? Who, do you, who in their right mind thinks Hillary's going to come back? If Hillary comes back, it's over. Trump wins. I'm serious. I mean, like my liberal, my liberal friends think that Hillary Clinton can can come back and win this time. I'm not kidding. Oh god. Oh god. Uh, Hillary can't win. I mean, come on. She's got too much baggage. She's a warmonger. She's a fucking cheater. I mean, she 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 can't even she can't even basically say she lost gracefully. I think the the when she won she lost that night. I think it had to be the next day they had to she had to come out. I heard she was like screaming at her staff because she lost. She couldn't believe that Trump basically uh, won the election. I'm like, people warned you basically that he could win to go out there in those red state. Uh, I don't know, if uh, those states like those electoral college states. Go out there instead of sending Bernie Sanders, because if Bernie Sanders is the who is the loser of twenty six, well, loser, cheater, whatever, basically cheated. I mean, if he lost, why is he going around basically fighting for you? Why not? Why, why can't you go out there and show your face? And people That's saw right. that as as like, well, you just don't, you just don't care about basically. Uh, you don't you don't you just don't care about the people. You just want to win and be president. And people saw that and like, I'm I, I'm not gonna vote. I'm going to vote for Trump because you cheated Bernie Sanders. And she basically still, basically, she lashed out Bernie Sanders, even though Bernie Sanders was a good boy. Bernie Sanders did everything he could to get her elected, and it still wasn't enough. Because she's a mean, vicious woman. Like, look, you ever see the pictures of Hillary Clinton smiling? Does it yeah, look I've like a smile? I've seen the vampire edit once where blood's coming out of her <laughs> mouth with fangs. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, what, what was there ever an update to that story? When you remember that young girl that that had that thing that said uh, "super predators" and Hillary was like, "What the fuck?" That she, she she wrote there. She thought she was gonna write something nice, and they said that Hillary has to apologize to black people. Was there ever a follow up to that over the years? I don't know. I don't I don't remember seeing one, but you know, it's funny how people forget about that statement though. 
that statement that she made. Yeah, he had a whole thing that uh, Hillary needs to apologize to black folks for calling them super predators. Uh, anyways, I'm gonna basically I'm gonna log off here and let other people talk. That's to make you laugh, anyways. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. No war. Hashtag no war. You are the next caller. Savvy, what's up? How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. You sipping on a, a sparkling pop water tonight? Uh, <laughs> I am having a beer tonight. It has been a long week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a pale ale. Good. You deserve that, Savvy. Uh, I think Jank would show up, personally, because Jank's such an arrogant, cocky motherfucker that I think he'd show up. I think he actually thinks he could beat Joe Rogan. So I would pay to see it, too, just like you. I think it'd be absolutely wonderful to watch Jank get knocked around real fast by by Joe Rogan. be wonderful. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think Hillary thinks she can win, too, because she's a cocky douchebag as well, just like Jank. So I think she, I think she's itching to come back and thinks she sees her in with, uh, with barely there Joe, you know, bobbling around the White House. So it'll be, 2024 is going to be interesting. I, uh, I'm I'm real keen to, to see what happens then. Um, you know, Bernie's not going to challenge. Uh, he's not going to try to primary him. Bernie will be in his early 80s. He's too, he's too old to run, honestly. It's, you know, I, and, and he's made a lot of missteps that have turned off a lot of his, uh, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his people in the last couple of years. So, I don't know. What do you think about 2024? Um, I think either Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump is going to win. I don't think there's anyone right now that can run through the Democratic Party and actually win. Um, it's, it's funny to me. They're actually talking about, well, we set up Kamala Harris in that position because Joe was supposed to be a one term, a transitional president. They admitted that on Fox News. And I was like, Really? Kamala Harris, who couldn't get a single delegate? So that that was yeah, their plan, but I don't... Before there were any votes, right? Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody can... Anyone run through the Democratic Party can actually win. Um, and then I know they're also mentioning Gavin Newsom as well. But, you know, he's got some shiftiness, too, because of what he did in California in reference to the lockdowns, and he was still going out. Um, so there's that, those, yeah, those, Medicare for all. yep. Yeah, the Medicare for all. Yep. So, so there's that. I just don't think anyone that they run actually has a chance of winning. And that's why I said, I think this would be the good, the best time for someone who's an independent or a third party candidate, uh, a large name that a lot of people know to really make their move. How about Jesse Ventura, Mike Tyson, 2024? 
I would vote for Jesse Ventura. I would definitely vote I for would Jesse Ventura. Um, and he would run as third party too, because he knows, you know, how the game is and everything. But I would definitely vote for him. Um, the question is, like, you know, does he want to do it again this time? Yeah, he's getting up there in age too. He's kind of ready to just hang out. He's been like half a year in Mexico and half a year back in Minnesota, I think, at this point. So, um, I I don't know. But it's just, I agree with you. I don't think any Democrat could win. I also think it will be really funny if there's a primary between Trump and DeSantis, because how's Trump going to go at DeSantis? He's going to come up with some sort of name and, like, some sort of attack line. I thought that was the best part of the 2016 primary was season. Well, first was Bernie almost winning and the excitement of that. But second was how Trump went at all those Republicans, how he went at Cruz. He, like, completely, you know, cucked Cruz. Like, how he went at Chris Christie, how he went at all of these guys. Like, man, that was great. So I'm curious. I think it'd be really funny to see what happens with uh, when Trump's running against DeSantis. And DeSantis is a lot younger. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's, like, he's had a couple decent media clips recently, right? But I don't think he's fast enough to, to go up against Trump. I think Trump, even pushing up on 80 years old, which he will be in a couple years, I think Trump's still, like, mentally... I don't think Trump's like the smartest guy, but he's got a mental quickness with the with the jabs and whatnot that I don't think DeSantis can can handle that. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But the danger is that DeSantis is like a more confident Trump if he gets in office, right? Trump's just like a intellectually weak person and a lazy person, but DeSantis is Plus, also, too, didn't Trump endorse uh, Ron DeSantis? I believe he did. Okay, yeah. That would be really hard to... It, it might be hard for him to go after him like that, but I really wished that Bernie Sanders knocked out all the Democrat candidates that were running in 2020 the same way Trump did for the GOP uh, debates. I wish Bernie Sanders would have knocked them all out one by one. He should have. That was that was Bernie's failing, right? Was that that he wouldn't go against the establishment? And that's you know, Sirota was right on this on one thing, which and I talked to Sirota recently a few weeks ago in in one of these spaces in Colin, uh, in Matt Taibbi's Colin, which is that Zephyr Teachout wrote that very accurate and critical article saying Joe Biden corrupt, which he is, accurately called him that. David Sirota was on the side of Zephyr Teachout, and Zephyr and Sirota got neutered by the Bernie campaign. And this is where, like, Bernie has, I think, you know, you line him up on policy, and you talk to him in, in the abstract about policy, he agrees with us in general. 
he doesn't get politics very well, right? Like he just doesn't he doesn't do politics very well. And this was one like glaring example from the twenty twenty campaign of Bernie Thurgood doing the right thing, making the right points, and and Bernie cutting them off, decapping his own surrogates. That was like that was a real disappointing point campaign in twenty twenty. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I definitely wish he would have been more vocal. Um, but again, I think Bernie Sanders knew just how far the Democratic Party was going to let him go. I really do. Yeah. So. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, he's bad, but I've taken enough time here, Savvy, to get some other callers in, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Enjoy that pay a little. All righty. All right, let's go to, thank you. Let's go to Marco. You are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hi, Savvy. I'm a big fan. Um, My feedback on Joe Rogan is I don't want to see Joe Rogan beat the shit out of Jank, but I would love to see a match between Joe and uh, socialist MMA Nick Cruz. What? <laughs> not, not not in the sense that they're going to kill each other, but they're both MMA fighters. They come together, do a fight. It would be really good press for RBN. It'd be really good for Joe to meet Nick. I think that would be a good fight. I think Nick would win, but uh, either way. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. I got to tell Nick about that one. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, um, Nick, my comrade Nick from RBN, he's MMA also. Um, so it's always funny to me when people say that they want to fight. Like, I'll beat you up. Like, to Nick, it's really funny. I'm like, dude, you know he's a martial artist, right? <laughs> and then my, my comments on the next election. You know, my first election was 2000 with uh, Gore Bush. And I voted for Nader. And people told me not to vote for Nader. And um, I had to hear what Nader say about about like the lesser of two evils argument. And Nader was like, uh, if you keep voting for the least worst candidate, your candidates will just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And that's been true since 2000. So my prediction for 2024 is that they're going to be worse candidates than 2020. That's a good point. Um, I'm curious, like, why did people say not to vote for tell you not to vote for Ralph Nader? Yeah, so I, I said I was voting for Nader, and people were like, you can't do that, it's going to be a vote for Bush. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because every vote taken away from Gore will be a vote for Bush. And but then just, they're, they're assuming that you would vote for Gore instead. <laughs> exactly, which I wouldn't have, you know. <laughs> and I told them that, too. I'm like, I'm not going to vote for Gore, that guy's bad. You know? um, and, you know, another argument Nader made on this subject is he was like, you know, everybody has an, every citizen has an equal right to run for office. So if you tell anybody not to run for office anytime, it's political bigotry. That's right. I mean, I really like Ralph Nader. I think that um, even in the case of Gore with Gore Bush, we remember how terrible that election was. I mean, there was the whole thing with uh, the state of Florida where they were saying stop counting. Remember that? Yeah, well, I don't know if you 
followed up with that, but the Green Party never never let it go. And I think 2008, they finally got the the final results. And it was a it was a Gore victory in Florida. So that was a that was a stolen election for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. Do you know if Al Gore ever spoke about it? Ever commented on that? Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know, because Gore um, he wouldn't fight it at the time. Like he fought it a little bit, but he eventually gave in. And he he I think there was actually an anecdote actually where he met he met Nader one day and he told him that he didn't blame Nader. Gore Gore, Gore told that to Nader. I'm pretty sure anyway. But well, that's good to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he told him that. But yeah, it's just like. I don't know when you hear Bernie Sanders say he doesn't want to go the way of Ralph Nader. I mean, I'm just like, oh, so you're scared. Yeah, yeah. Ber- said Bernie doesn't have like as much courage as Ralph Nader does. That's for sure. Or, or you know, Joe Stein. Either, you know. I, I like Joe Stein a lot more than Nader. I, I generally am not proud of my votes, uh, but I am so proud to have voted for Joe Stein and Ajamu Baraka. They are this like the the best candidates in all of my lifetime. <laughs> Weren't they amazing? They are, they are actually doing a webinar. Um, I believe it's next week with, um, in support of Matthew Ho. Um, oh, cool. With, yeah. With everything that's what's going on with him in North Carolina, um, with what they did to him. And so I'm really glad that they're doing that. It's, it's Jill Stein. Sorry, you're breaking up there, Savvy. Could you um, could you repeat that? Stein, Damu, and I think there's one more other person. I forget who, but they're coming out to help him, you know, in support of him. And I, I want to say I'm glad that his story is getting more coverage because. I mean, we had all had him on the smaller channels, you know, and I was afraid that the story that happened with him about the Democrats, for those who don't know, the Democrats in North Carolina, they had a vote to make sure that he would not be on the ballot, even though he met all the requirements. He got the required amount of signatures, actually more than the required amount of signatures. So what they were doing is they sent people from the Democratic Party to go call people and to knock on people's doors asking them if they were sure about their signature. And one guy actually recorded it and he was like, no, I'm not going to remove my signature. And they said, well, it's just that, you know, voting for a third party candidate that takes away votes for the democratic party. And the gentleman in the video said, no, he's like, I I don't want to vote for the democratic party. He said, you guys should be further left. It was really good story. Like, um, that video, I'm glad that guy recorded that when they came to his house because these are the things that people need to see. So I'm glad that more people are covering that because I feel like the type of election fraud that happens with these third party candidates and independent candidates, it's not reported on often. Yeah, well, you know, the the U.S. has been, you know, the United States government has you know, like Nick said this once, and I really agree. Um, no communist movement has ever been, uh, has ever failed. They've only been defeated. You know, and so any kind of third party, even even the Reform Party with Ross Perot in the 90s, 
that really swung the election towards Clinton, like even that, they nipped that in the bud, you know. So it's like the change is never going to come top down. You know, we're, we here we are speculating about 2024 and the Electoral College is going to pick our president in 2024 like they do every four years. The, mm -hmm. the, we're never going to take the presidency and then make a change in the country. We are going to make a change in the country and then we will capture the presidency. When, when the dual power has enough power to compete with the capitalist power is the only time we're ever going to get any kind of progress on that front. That's right. That's right. I mean, Shama Sawant has the right idea, right? She says, Shama Sawant says, do the work on the ground, have the organization helping people on the ground, fighting for labor laws and fighting for, you know, uh, higher wages and then have the candidate come out of the movement. Uh, Savvy, I know that RBN has had um, members of Cooperation Jackson on the show on the network before, but I, I, I've been really trying to get you all to get more people from Cooperation, or even to talk about Cooperation Jackson more. I don't know if you're familiar, but it is like, it is the strategy that, that, that we are talking about and that, and that has shown to work. Yes, CJ actually mentioned them on stream. I think it was earlier this week. He was talking about Cooperation Jackson. Uh, Jackson. Oh, cool! Um, I haven't heard, heard him on stream talking about them yet. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to to get them back on again. If if you can email me their contact information, because that's usually where I I stall. If I can't find contact information, I'm just like, oh shoot. Um, but. If you could email me their uh, contact info, yeah, we'd definitely like to have them back on because people need to hear about that. Well, you know, something that is so interesting to me about their work is they they did the exact same thing uh, Socialist Alternative did, which is they, they had a person from the movement. They actually got him into the mayorship. And their plan was to um, use the mayorship, people's assemblies, Solidarity economics to to take Jackson, Mississippi, and eventually um, they wanted to take the entire South. They had they call it the Jackson Cush Plan, um, and you know within like a, a within a year of the of the mayor's um, office, he he dies of cancer. And like I don't mean to be too like conspiratorial or tinfoil hat, but like I know that there's some info about how the CIA can give people cancer. So like you know. R.F. Kennedy was murdered the night he wins the Democratic Republic, uh, the Democrat primary of California. And you know how the election cycle works. Whoever wins California is going to take the, 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 the nomination because it's, right. it's one of the last groups in the country to do a primary. And it's also so many constituents that like once you gain California as a Democrat, you've, you've won the nomination. So, you know, that night they killed RFK. Obviously, the CIA kills JFK, the CIA's in, complicit in killing Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. So it's just like, we really are not going to succeed via these tactics. You're right. It's like the tactics that are going to succeed is by draining the capitalists of workers, moving workers and people into the dual power that can fight. And, and that's exactly what Cooperation Jackson is doing. So I would, I would just love you all to to cross coordinate and cross cross organize as much as you can because I think it would just be like so good. That's right. That's right. Well said.
Oh, well, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to uh, go ahead and go to the next caller. Yeah, thank you so much. Debbie. Yeah, have a good night. Cool, you too. Okay, Lance, you are now the next caller. Hey, Savvy, you know, I want to say this every time I show up on your show, and I, I don't do hyperbole, all right? Whatever my two-bit peanut gallery opinion matters. You guys are the best of the best. Whether I agree with everybody's thing, Nick, and everybody says on RBN, you're it, you know, you're the, you're the main attraction. You guys are the best of the, you know what I mean? You're just so real. You're so consistent. You're doing stuff on the, on the street level. You, you know, mutilate all that. You know, you, you just guys are, you're golden, you know? I mean, uh, nobody's perfect, right? Of course not. But you guys are 10,000% more perfect than anybody else. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Uh, you know. Oh, thank you. Know, you. Anybody, what's that? Thank you. That's really sweet. Yeah, because like the last time we talked, you crushed my soul when you thought maybe I was like turning a little bit towards the right way. <laughs> no, 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 no. You really? Is there seven billion people on the planet? You like the least likely to get anybody saying Okay, even though because like you know the first time I ever talked to you since then about like reaching across to you know these poor asshole Trumpers who don't know better, like Chris Hedges talks about. But can I just start with that for two seconds? Or, you know, there's not a long key, but Nate or 2000, right? If everybody voted for me that liked me, didn't, but that thought I wasn't electable, I'd be president. I'm not sure that's true. It might have been true with Joe Stein. Chris Hedges was his speechwriter. Now, you know who Alec is, right? American Legislative Exchange Council, the right wingers who write all the bills? Yes. Ralph Nader was a one-man Alec. Chris Hedges said, you know, as much of a, you know, like, like, let me show you the gloom and doom that exists. You know, Chris Hedges says st stuff, good stuff happened. And he didn't put it this way, but it's true. Ralph Nader was a one-man Alec. It wasn't just getting the Corvair off the assembly line. He literally wrote the bills dozens of times, you know, on dozens of bills and got them passed in the 60s. Not because there was such a, wow, these politicians all of a sudden got religion. No, because there was enough pressure elsewise, his, his pressure, anti-war, et cetera, et cetera. And then he wasn't doing anti-war bills, but all that stuff happened, you know, and then again, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty savvy, right? Since a kid, but so Chris Hedges, 19, uh, 2015. Why doesn't Bernie run as an independent? Maybe not as a Democrat, whatever. He's going to run as a Democrat. They'll crush him. They'll never let him get close. He was onto it, right? Then in 2020, same thing, only he watered, you know, Sanders watered down his message. So, you know, I learned from these people so much, no matter how much I think I'm, uh, you know, kind of smart, right? So with Ralph Nader and with Chris Hedges, they just like, yeah, they're way ahead of the curve, you know, of course. And so, so that was 2050. So obviously, Bernie Sanders is a shepherd. His job is to suck as much energy out of the progressive movement to make sure Biden got elected so that there is no movement. Because his revolution, he deliberately abandoned it, right? And so, you know, there you go. Like, you know, like you suggested, I don't want to end up like, like Ralph Nader. Why? Why? You don't want to be revered 100 years from now in the history books? Bernie? 
you're at the end of your career. What are you, some kid who's worried about mean tweets and the Democrats, the Dems won't like you and let you sit at the cool kids' table? What the, you know, what the hell's that about, right? So there's my take on that. <laughs> you know, um, well, real, real quick question: Do you think there was some type of agreement? Because we, t- I talked about this one time before uh, on my show. Do you think there was some type of agreement that Bernie Sanders had with the Democratic Party that he would not? run third party or start a third party movement. Well, you know what? Let me, let me quote like Chomsky about that. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care if Johnson really thought it was a domino effect or whether he was buckling to the military industrial. I don't care if George W. Bush really thought that there was a, 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 a triangle, you know, whatever, uh, access of evil or whether he was just winking and nodding to because he goes back with his family with the oil companies in Halliburton. I don't care. I don't care about their motives. His actions were this, and this is what I said. This is my analogy. Suppose you had two brothers, the Harbaugh brothers, who both coached in the NFL. And one Harbaugh brother is playing the other one, you know, coaching the other team. And there's a weakened quarterback, and it's the second stringer already. And your third string quarterback is a rookie who never threw a pass, right? So the second string quarterback that's in the Super Bowl is injured, and you're the brother of the other guy. And you don't crush the other, you don't blitz, and you're a blitzing team. Yeah, we eased off because I didn't, he's my brother. He's my, that's what Biden, only that's a, that's a football game. No lives are saved. You're not the most important person in the free world. That coach would never coach again, no matter who you are, right? But Bernie says, I didn't want to go after my buddy, right? He's my friend. So I didn't want to go after him, even though he was sitting in a basement while Bernie had a heart attack and COVID was going crazy and Donald Trump was everywhere and Sanders was everywhere, you know, campaigning outside. And they knew that this guy was senile before they even started. They put him in a basement, Biden. I didn't want to go after my friend. Are you kidding me? You know what? Let me just say this one thing. I, I was with Umit. There's a lot of these shows. I said, what would happen if AOC or Bernie? And I said, what would happen if this was in Europe? And listen to, uh, listen to Richard Wolf. He said that, you know, for whatever reason, because part of it is uh, reality in America, but part of it is just who they are. Bernie would be very right of center in Europe. Very right of center in terms of his uh, support of war. Didn't he vote for a lot of this war stuff? Yep. I don't think he voted. Okay, so on and on and on. So so Bernie's a shepherd to suck all the energy out of the progressives. And yes, totally. I, of course, we didn't have to be in agreement. It's who the man is. Okay? I'm sorry. You know? And 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 it's like, well, I don't care about what he's thinking, what his motive is. It's, it's, it's what his actions represent. You know what I mean, Sabby? Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a black after that. So is Chris Hedges. So I don't want to be a doomsayer, but no, that's the reality. You know, Sanders is not your friend. Sanders is not interested. I don't know why, but again, I don't have to get inside his mind. All I got to do is look at the results. And like, how could you? Like I said, that coach would never coach again. You don't want to go after your friend. It's like the whole free world and got millionaires and billionaires. And you know who Joe Biden is. You know he's a southerner. You know he's pro-life. You know he is racist. You know he did the massacre. Come on. Bernie Sanders is smarter than me in terms of all this stuff. Vote for, vote for Joe. And vote for Joe again. This is where Bernie is now on whatever day it is. Vote for Joe again. Yeah. Come on. Not Do we need any not more? 
Not only that, too, but did you notice that Bernie Sanders had to work harder to get like Bernie Sanders for his at least for his 2020 campaign? He was campaigning across the country, whereas the the corporate Democrats, what were they doing? Right. They only go to key states. He was going everywhere. And it's like you, you went across this country. Rallying people up, getting people excited about a revolution, which he said, he said it was a revolution. Because he had to suck the energy out of every possible purple state. You see what I mean? Follow the money, follow it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's counterintuitive, but I have to go everywhere on my mission to suck every ounce of progressive energy out of every purple district that I can because, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, somebody like me might get elected. And then I'll have to actually do all the stuff I said I was going to do. I'm sorry. I don't see, you know, if you're 40 and you're looking at the horizon, Abby, and you're looking forward, geez, I don't know. This is the thing. You know, I'd like to do good. I have to look at the long term. This guy's, what, 97 years old like the rest of us? And not the generation, not a generation, whatever the fuck. So, you know, it's like, this is like, you're worried about like right now in the next six months versus your 100 year history like Ralph Nader. But, you know. But, you know, I have a funny thing to say about that. Could I go back? <laughs> but there's not that many callers. But I want to talk about the Joe Rogan thing. But please, can I have your response? Who am I? You know, you your takes on everything. You have schooled me, by the way. You know, on so many things, you know, getting me to deep dive on things that I didn't think about before. And I've looked at a lot of stuff over the years. So. But I mean, anyway. Oh yeah, um, no worries. I mean, I I I try to educate people. Oh, you I do try. so much. But you know, it, yeah, education-wise, and just your your analysis is just like, wow, I never thought of that before. I mean, very few people, you know. In other, in other words, like, who are we? I mean, we actually, we I'm an old part, but, but like people like Chris Hedges or Thompson, and I just agree with him. Thompson, I is not But you're like that wise, you know what I mean? Just so you know, I don't know why beyond your ears or whatever, but but, but just so down, man. Just so like intuitive. And all that. But, you know, the Trump thing. Can I talk about Rogan for a few seconds here, right? And all that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, obviously, Joe Rogan, whatever else, you know, he may not be brilliant. He may not be an intellectual, but he's he's a very smart man. And he knows. <laughs> like everybody, I learned this in, you know, I don't know journalism 101. Bad press, better no press. And horrible press equals great press the way we are now. And Joe Rogan knows he's one of the few people with 11 million viewers that has a platform that could actually uh, amplify Trump, right, one way or the other. And so, uh, right, so it's like, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so he says, uh, you know, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, even though I can tear him apart, because the more I tear him apart, the more his people that love him are going to love him, and the more that the people that hate him are going to hate him, and Joe Rogan knows. And so now, this is what's so interesting about Anna and all these people, like on the left, right? Whatever. Whether anti-vax, oh my God, Joe, you have these anti-vax people, right? Oh my God, you have such a huge platform. That means you have a huge responsibility. It's true, right? No, it's true. Great, Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley, back in the day, dude. I mean, when he was still playing, and then afterwards, and now he's still famous. He was getting into fights all the time. He was losing lawsuits. He was fucking with people. And he's like, I'm not a role model. It's like, no, no, Charles. You are a role model, whether you like it or not. It's just the way it is. 
<laughs> because people are going to look up to you and they have your poster on their wall. In other words, I'm not saying Charles Barkley should be a no, everybody loves it, blah, blah, blah. Right? So everybody wants to say, but Joe, you have the anti vax the same people, right? I'm sure, I don't know if Anna's about anti vax right? Oh, you have this huge platform. That means you have a huge responsibility. Ban Trump on Twitter. That's great. Fine. But some wrestler comedian, you know, who like Joe, like Jimmy Dore says, I'm just in my basement, you know, pothead comedian won't let Trump, who, by the way, the last time I like, see a dog catcher, Donald Trump, is he building buildings? Is he an important figure here somewhere where he's running something like a parliamentarian where he's like the opposition? He he don't have nothing. (laughs) He's got as much power as me, right? Mr. Anonymous peanut gallery. All right. So who the hell's Trump anyway? Like who, who is he that he need that he deserves as the president? Absolutely, banning him from Twitter, stupid. He's not the candidate. He's not the leading candidate because there's a lot of competition for all that, right? So it's like, what, 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 what is this like? Well, you gotta have Trump. Why? All he is is motherfucking private citizen. <laughs> okay, right? But you ban Trump from Twitter, fine, blah blah blah. Don't let him rant, you know. And so it's like it's so absurd. Right. And so and as far as this, t- this oh, well, that's a separate story about the TYT guy and the, the complicated <laughs> test of, how, you know, ideas, because Chomsky's test is if you can't explain an idea, no matter how complicated, even if it's five minutes to a 10 year old of average intelligence, then you're not you're not making the point, you know. And so and the other. OK, there's that. But I got to finish with it. Right. And this is why the whole thing, not to say you shouldn't cover this. Of course, it's important. You know, because these people do have platforms of power. But, okay, um, when it boils right down, you know, it's like, um, last time, Joe Rogan's backing Ron Sanders. So the whole controversy is like, why won't he put Trump on? But he's backing a more dangerous dude than Trump. He's backing a smart Trump. Okay, so you know, let me quote like let me let me channel like Dan Richards and Molly Ivins. The governor of Texas and Molly Ivins is the absolutely brilliant, like Mount Rushmore of twenty first you know, twentieth century journalism. Molly Ivins, bless his heart. Bless old Joe Rogan's heart. So he doesn't want to put Trump on because he doesn't want to get platform. But the next guy who's going to be is going to be a more dangerous than Trump guy who's DeSantis, an intelligent Trump. So bless Joe Rogan's heart. But ultimately, he's an average intelligence guy who's interesting, who's just a fucking comedian, who, when it comes to politics, frankly, has got his head way up his ass (laughs) in the long run. So who the frick cares? You know what I mean? I'll finish with that. So you brought up an interesting point there, too, about DeSantis being more dangerous than Trump. That's really interesting. Why do you think that? Because he is just like Tucker. Let me let me. Here's another thing. And I, I don't want to do before. But good old Jordan Sheraton, you know. Again, I got my, uh, you know, questions about him. He seems to not care about the report, whatever way. Who cares? Who the hell cares? First of all, I'm a peanut gallery guy, but even if I had a million followers, I wouldn't care about this stuff. And he's good. He's good. He does on the street journalism, all that stuff. Flint, Michigan, he did good stuff. But 
every time I hit YouTube, every single time, Savvy, like 24 hours a day, no matter what, the first thing on the shorts, you know, where they do the little mini, you know, those little quick, quick take like shorts, Tucker, 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 Tucker. He's the first and the third and the fifth every time, every time. His, and this is what Jordan Carey goes into it in a lot more depth, but his algorithm is way up there. Wait, right. Carlson does shorts? Oh, well, somebody's doing them. They're up there like a minute long, and they're always the first one. Always, always on. Then it'll be Charles Barkley did something. And, you know, I look at the views, and it'll be like 43,000 views, and all the other shorts are like 500,000, a million. You know, Charles Barkley, right? Of course, 11 million. You know, right? But the first one would be 43,000, and it's Tucker, right? And then it's like a million views, a million views, 550,000 views, 387,000 views, 46, you know, 400, uh, you know, 11 million, you know, you know, some of these viral things. Tucker, 43,000, always the first, and he's never up to 100,000, right? Yeah, there's some, there's some afoot. I'm sorry. You know, there really is. And I'm not a paranoid. I give, that like from the first time I talked to you, I reach out to Trumper. I'm like, Chris Hedges, who says these people are doing this for a reason. They're real people. You know, you want to fix racism, give people $20 an hour minimum wage, you know, because people have been racist since they've been racist and they're going to be racist forever. It's like prostitution and drugs. It's going to exist. People are going to, and it isn't always going to be about skin color, but it's going to be about something. And it's like, give people great jobs, with great benefits, you know, and a living in a, and, you know, a great quality of life and, 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 and tons of weeks of, of family. What a coincidence, right? Doesn't seem like a coincidence. you do that. And all of a sudden all that right is going to go away. You know what I'm saying, Zabby? And, and this is what you talk about all the time. So, you know, that it's all about class. Get all these poor white folks who are being devastated. If you give them a goddamn, like, you know, where they can buy a house by working 40 hours and being like the Burger King guy, who, right? Who never met, you know, that you can work at Burger King and, you know, and do all that for so many years and buy a fucking house and not get a doggy bag that you, that, 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 that that's a, like inferior to what it, it's, it's less healthy than the average elite person feeds their dog every day and healthier than the shit they gave this dude, right? This is what he got after 27 years. This is America, you know. You know I mean, uh, let's face it, you know, mm-hmm. so you know. Yeah, well, thanks so much for calling in, Lance. I'm going to go to the next caller. Yeah, thank you so much, Sab, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the, the whole thing is that people, you know, it's like they just don't – I'll finish with this. The enemy of your enemy isn't always your friend, you know? It's like it's like people on the left are just so interested in propping up people on the right – I mean people on the far left, you know, in some ways are, are, are willing to prop up people like Tucker Carlson. But then you've got Green Party people that said – or DSA, national DSA people saying that the trucker convoy – is meaningless because there are a bunch of of fascists because there was a couple of Nazi signs that were probably from the locateurs. So when the DSA is looking at the trucker convoy, 
and saying that these guys are a bunch of fascists, so we should pay no attention to their honest-to-goodness, you know, uh, uh, anti-authoritarian stance. Then you've got other people on YouTube left, you know, uh, 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 propping up people like Tucker Carlson, and they are. They are. It's like I'm. So, it's just like the whole thing gets perverted, and it means like we're, we're destined to be doomed because it's, it gets. We're all in pretzels. We're all in pretzel. We're all in pretzel logic, as Julie Dan would say. And you know, it's like we we just gotta. We just have to be skeptical of the skeptics, you know, and skeptical of and, and you know of, of everything. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't. Know. It's just very. It's very complicated on the left right now. And uh, I think people need to do, we need to stand on our inner fat hands and, and just educate, educate, educate people. You know, that's all it's about, you know. Anyway, thank you. Thanks so much, Lance. All right. Amanda, you are the next caller. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm I'm pretty good. I I I'm, I hesitated because I don't. I, I everybody calls you savvy, and I don't know you, and I feel like I I want to respect you more than that. So so good evening. <laughs> I really appreciate what you do for in in all the places that you that you put out word of what is wrong and what can be done. Um, and I also appreciate that there's a lot of folks that are frustrated with electoralism, like what can voting actually get us? And I think the Democrats have missed an, uh, uh, an opportunity that maybe um, folks on the left who are a little bit organized would be able to get some word out about, which is this. They've been saying, you know, vote, vote harder or whatever. Make sure you vote so we don't lose the House and the Senate. Well, you know what would be really nice? Maybe they should be more specific, like, hey, Washington Senate primary is coming up. Pay attention to that one. Because you know what? Everybody loves a, a personal shout out on a national show. You get the you get the national news, whether it's MSNBC, CNN, CBS, doesn't matter. Where, where AOC is saying, okay, go vote, but not just go vote for Democrats, go vote for these specific Democrats. So we could, those of us who want to see more progressive people, non, non incumbents or non establishment or corporate Dems, non blue dogs, those of us who are in places where there's still a primary so we can make a choice and still vote for a Democrat. I, it's too late for me. I live in California. But you know what? There's 22 states that still have primaries coming. And, and there's a lot of seats that could be disrupted that we could get potentially alternative Democrats to vote for in November. Because I think it's, and I, it, this is something that I, I kind of started looking into because I realized that it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to do me any good because my choice is I vote for the Democrat who was appointed or I vote for the, Republican, which I don't want to do. So, so maybe if, if the word gets out, like the next, the next primary is in Maryland. And there's, there's a whole bunch in August. In fact, there's, if somebody lives in Vermont, Rhode Island, or Delaware, you can still register to be a candidate on the ballots in those states to run for House of Representatives. So, so, and, Vermont, it's just the deadline is, is August 4th and Rhode Island, it's the 15th of July and Delaware, it's the 12th of July. 
there's a nonpartisan primary in Washington state. I mean, there's just a lot that could be done. They should be more specific. Maybe a citizens union where we had folks that it wasn't a political party, but actually helped advise people beyond just de- Democrat or Republican. So they knew who they were voting for, but they wouldn't have to vote for who's there now. The other thing I'd say is, is what if, what if one of the things Bernie's candidacy could have done for us really is, is he gave us two examples of what, how you could run a campaign and what would happen to you if you did. And we should take those lessons forward and, and do like a lot of people have been saying and run an alternative to the Democrats or Republicans and take the lessons that we should learn from Bernie's failures or missteps or however you want to call it. I appreciate you taking my input. Amanda, that is such a good point. Um, I think all of us should take that in, right? Like one thing about Bernie Sanders campaigns is he showed us what not to do. And I never really thought about it like that, but that's a good point. He showed like, this is what happens when you try to challenge the establishment, but you're running within the establishment. Like it just, you know, I look back on it and I was like, damn, my dad was right. And my dad, like, I I talked to my parents about this, you know, like they voted for Bernie, but I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they did it like to, to please me. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, You know, they They should, you're younger. They should do it to please you. You're younger. We should be voting to please people who are going to be on the planet longer. Personally, my feeling. Mm. Yeah, they, they liked like the policies and the things that he said, but I think, well, I would say my dad, I think was more skeptical and he just doesn't believe that. And I didn't find this out until I started doing my show. Actually, uh, my father has always been an independent and I didn't know that like growing up, I just assumed he was voting Democrat. I just assumed he was a Democrat. Like he didn't really talk about political affiliation, but based on the things that he said, about social issues, I assumed he was a Democrat. After I started my show, he explained to me that he's always been independent because he learned a long time ago that both parties are corrupt and that politicians, is it's just all about money. That's all they care about. And so when Bernie Sanders was running, my dad was like, yeah, yeah, he's talking a good game. Or he would say, oh, yeah, I was like, dad, Bernie Sanders, you know, said he would implement Medicare for all and everybody could have health care. And my dad was like, OK, we'll see. And for those of you who don't know, anytime my dad says that we'll see, that means he's skeptical. He <laughs> <believe> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for sure. If we could actually get some some traction to disrupt the 2022 elections enough. Because remember how all the pundits and talking heads and the party heads were all confused about Trump winning because all the pollsters were saying it was going to go this way? Well, let's do that to them with by, by gathering together. I mean, look, I'm an old fart. I'm over 50. I, I should not be in charge of any of this because I'm not going to be on the planet as long as the rest of the people that are younger than me. But really, we need to be disrupting what's happening right now enough to make people stand up that can make those decisions and make it different ones or they get voted out. 
I mean, I'm willing to vote for a Republican just to make a point. And that's a desperate desperate position for me because I'm not a Democrat either. I am not affiliated with any party. So anyway, you've got a bunch of people on and it's Friday evening and, and I appreciate you giving me the time to say my piece and, and hear your reaction to it. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Amanda. You too. I'm going to bring in uh, Roger, who's the next caller. And I do just want to add here, I think people do assume that just because someone's independent that they're automatically voting Democrat. And that's not necessarily the case. Let's bring in uh, Roger. You're the next caller. Hello, Sabrina. How are you? Hello, Roger. You have a very charming voice. Thank you very much. Um, I've been working on it for years. (laughs) Anyway, um, sorry, I I came to to um, your uh, call in a bit late and I, did anybody bring up the Lex Friedman interview with um, what's his name the famous MMC guy uh, I talked about it tonight um, earlier on my show that's what brought up this discussion and th- th- I thought that was the interesting point that uh, was made on that where he, he said he he doesn't want to sort of fall into that. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but he doesn't want to fall into that rabbit hole of giving uh, credence because I think he felt a little bit burnt um, by the Bernie Sanders interview as well. Um, mm-hmm. So my takeaway was sort of you know Bernie Sanders um, from uh, what I understand um, has been slightly disappointing. Let's say in you know, not voting against or for certain things. And he doesn't want to, to go down that road of in, potentially endorsing. Right. Because I could see that people would take it that way. If he were to yeah. bring him on, some people would say, oh, Joe Rogan is endorsing Donald Trump. And he also made, I thought of, sorry to interrupt that. Uh, but he also made a very valid point, which I thought was he said, you know, you, you have these people like, say, Donald Trump or Boris Johnson or uh, if you go back to, into Italian politics, Berlusconi. You have these people that or if you even go back further into sort of character acting like Peter Sellers and um, the guy who played Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen, they're very much the same person. They're, they're not a person. Their presentation. And I thought the interesting thing he said in the Friedman interview was, I would not be confident that I could get down to the person. So, do you know what I mean? So he he would, uh, Trump would be there and Trump would just, you know, give his spiel and, you know, his carpet-bagging salesman-type stuff, but he wouldn't get to who was Trump. And I, that, right. I thought, was interesting. And I, I, I think that's the reason, uh, beyond and above. I mean, he's, one of your earlier callers made an interesting point. There was a guy who, in uh, the UK, 
called Terry Wogan, who was a famous interviewer during the 80s, 90s, and things like that, showing my age. But he was very disarming. And he was the sort of person who could get you to reveal a secret without, you know, he would tickle it out of you. And in some way, I see a parallel, but I also see that, you know, at some point, Trump is a persona. He's not a person. He's a profile. So could you get a real, could you get a real person out of that? Or or would you just get, it would be the same with any politician, really. I, I think it's very difficult. And that's basically the point I was uh, uh, trying to make. So I, th- I think it was a very astute move on his uh, part, actually, not to do it twice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. But no, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I would advise, like, you know, Joe Rogan, typically, like, he really doesn't care what people think in reference to who he brings on. But one of the things I would say, if he ever changed his mind and decided to bring on Donald Trump, I would highly recommend that he do his research and watch previous interviews that Donald Trump has done because Donald Trump has a tendency to cut off the interviewer and they can't finish their point. Yeah, but that's the point. He's recognizing in some sense that, look, he's... As you say, he's one. I, I don't know what, what is this fight club you have in America? You call it again. Um, this fight club you have with that Joe Rogan does. Anyway, so essentially, he recognizes that he might not get. So one of the things he said in the Friedman interview was, if you get somebody like Elon Musk on, or you get. Um, Anyone else, or you get them in the green room, you can liquor them up, or you can give them some, um, you know, Mary Jane, and they're all, you know, they're, they're good to go, right, for the interview. But he said, you know, with Trump, you're not going to do that. Right. So you're not going to get, you're not going to get the person, you're just going to get the the, the it'd be like Pete, uh, Pete Sellers is probably you know the guy who did the Pink Panther. I don't know if you, but he famously said once, "I don't know who I am," because he was a character actor, right? So, in an interview, they asked him who was the real Pete Sellers, and it sort of cracked out of him. I don't know who I am, but I. Uh, but Trump is, or most politicians are a, a, um, a glossy, packaged thing. They're not, you know, they're not going to tell you their deepest, darkest secrets. So you're not going to get, you're not going to get the real person out of it. And and I think Rogan's right in that sense. You know, I I'm not. Not going to have a. I'm not going to use my platform to run a. If I can't beat, you know, I can't get the, the, 
get to the person, I'm not going to run him as a you know a 12 million listener advert. And I think from that perspective, I I, I would agree um, with uh, Rogan's uh, judgment actually on that. But I'm not a particular fan of his, by the way. I, why? I quite I watch his interviews. I'm not a big fan of his comedy, but um, more of a Stanhope guy. But um, you know, you know, that's the that's not the point, <laughs> right? It's not personality. But anyway, well, you um, I just want to say you mentioned something that I think is important for people to to think about when people do have interviews with Joe Rogan when they go onto his podcast, you do tend to see a different side of them that you don't usually see when they're interviewed by everybody else. That's, that's what I was alluding to, which is, we used to call it the Wogan effect, right? This guy would charm you out of your, your underpants, right? So, and uh, sort of his... Graham Norton, maybe you you know, but he's he gets the people into the green room and liquors them up, and they all come out half pissed, right? And <laughs> embarrass themselves, and he's quite good at it. But yeah, the, 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 there is a technique, right? you, and it's not just you know, it's not just about getting somebody drunk or stoned or something like that. But it, it, it's, um, for example, um, I've read, you. Obama is a very polished politician, but he there was one guy who did make him uh, slip. Um, but he only slipped because he felt so comfortable, if you see what I mean. Right. So th th there is that. You're pretty good at it, I think. Um, I, I see you draw more out of people than they put in, let's say. Um, and it's that sort of, you know, you coax it out, right? Oh, thank you. That's good to know. I, I, I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Thank Thanks you very for calling much, uh, Sabi. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Ciao, ciao. All right. Okay, Brady, you are next on the mic. I got to tell you, after hearing Roger's voice, I don't want to hear the sound of my own voice. Like, I'm just kind of like, man. <laughs> we love your voice. We we love and appreciate your voice so much. Don't even. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and um, my question is, why is the left so afraid of Donald Trump? Uh, I don't consider would love to give him a platform to embarrass himself on. I think uh, I'm really surprised that he was willing to do the interview. Yeah, like he probably feel I don't I mean I guess before Donald Trump, but he probably felt like he would feel the most comfortable going on to Joe Rogan show. Maybe. I, I think uh, I think it was an over on his part. I think Joe should totally take it. Um, as a lefty, I've learned, and also, you know, I believe, I'm a really strong believer in reaching across the aisle and talking to the right and making friends with the right even. They can be allies. We actually need 
right? To help us uh, mobilize and get things that we both want done together. I agree. I hear you. I mean, I think that, you know, I keep hearing all these excuses as to why Joe Biden's doing a bad job right now um, from mainstream media. It's, it's laughable to me that people actually believe this. Um, but they're blaming everything from progressives to people who voted for Bernie Sanders. It's our fault not voting for Hillary Clinton, like all these excuses. But I think what I would like to see them do, and they probably won't, but I would like to see them interview people who voted for Trump. I would like to see them interview people who voted for Obama twice and then turned around and voted for Donald Trump. I would like to see them interview that demographic, those people. I've got the perfect example for you, Savvy Sabs. Um, I actually got in a debate with the Don't Haze Me Bro here on um, Colin a while back. And he was the guy who confronted John Kerry um, while holding a book by Greg Palast and asked him if he was in the Skull and Bones fraternity with George Bush. And then he asked him how he could concede the election to George Bush, knowing all that voter fraud went on. Now, this guy somehow, over the course of the 14 years, has turned into a Donald worshiper. And he's written a book called Don't Taze Me, Bro. And it's all about how he went from a Democrat to a Donald worshiper. And I'm really interested in understanding this man's psychology. So I'm glad that he wrote it down in a book. And uh, I think I might be doing a book club on it soon, just so we can understand what happened. Yes, I'd love to hear because, like, there's a guy coming on. Let me check my calendar to make sure I have the week right. Yes, there is a politician from New Hampshire coming on next Friday. And he, the reason why, like, actually, one of my subscribers emailed me and said, I think you need to bring him on. And the interesting thing about this guy is that he was a Republican politician. And he just switched to Democrat and he's running again. So I'm bringing him on because I want to hear like what changed. And I I would like to hear from people like that. Like if you guys know about people who switched parties, I would say in the past two and a half years, I would like to hear from those people. Yeah. That's why I'm such a huge proponent of reaching across the aisle and trying to make friends with the right as crazy as it seems. I've been on Clubhouse a lot lately. Clubhouse is like the conservative version of call-in. And I was invited over there by the Don't Taze Me Bro. And I've been out debating every conservative in every one of their rooms. You know, there's nothing to fear. And we actually have a lot in common. We actually have a lot of common ground that we should be working together to to accomplish. Or to to work together toward. I mean, I don't know. Like, what state are you in, um... Brady. I'm in Texas, so I'm in the middle of <laughs> enemy territory. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's what I think, you know. I mean, I live in Massachusetts. It's predominantly a blue state, although there are red pockets here too. But I think what people who have always lived in like these blue enclaves like don't understand is that those of us that have lived in the red states, most of the people like you guys understand, like most of my friends, when I lived in South Carolina, most of my friends were conservative. Like it just, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a red state. We got along just fine. We disagreed politically, 
on on certain issues. But one thing I think where we did come together was the class issue. And so I think that's the thing. Like, that's why some of the people that I know who still live in South Carolina, that's why some of them voted for Trump. And I'm talking about people who voted for Obama twice and then they turned around and voted for Trump because they were like, no, fuck this. Maybe I should vote for someone who's not a politician. Maybe I should try something different because my material needs have not like changed. So that was their mindset. They were like, look, I gave Obama two chances in a row and financially, economically, things haven't really improved the way that they could have. So they decided this time around they were going to vote for Donald Trump that and they didn't really like Hillary Clinton. So, yeah. I'm sorry. I was yeah. just going to add that I have two two topics that really do well to unite the left and the right, and that is the food crisis that we're entering into with all this uh, farmer strikes going on, and the second one is psychedelics and cannabis legalization. A lot of people from the right love mushrooms, and every they're just waiting for a green light to know that it's okay for them to do it, and uh, I think that would do a lot to progress the entire mindset of the right they're kind of thirsty for a new kind of spiritual like a real kind of spirituality and i think we just need to give them an option and an invitation to the party people want a new awakening that's another thing too in reference to uh legalizing marijuana most conservatives that i know are totally okay with that yep i mean they smoke A, a lot of people that you wouldn't expect smoke weed Exactly, um, and a lot of them are interested in mushrooms. A lot of them have done mushrooms too. They're very interested in that. And the food crisis is one thing that really can unite both sides together right now. Uh, especially on the right, they're very passionate about that. Um, That's a, true. A blind you, spot, you see, like what? The- a blind spot on the. Oh, go left. ahead. Sorry. No, I'm, my bad. There's a blind spot on the left. That food crisis it seems like a lot of lefties aren't really hip to it. No, they're. You're right. A lot of them are not. Um, unfortunately. And I think that I really like what the farmers are doing in Europe. Spraying shit all over the political government buildings. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. They're doing a, a fantastic job of protesting. They actually stopped some some cops who were trying to instigate violence. They busted them red-handed and sent them packing right away. I don't know how my connection is right now, but um, that's what I heard from Denmark today. Yeah, I was talking to my friend in um in the UK and she was just like, Yeah, we don't really put up with that over here. <laughs> like the people yeah. really rise up and they're like, No, we're we're not putting up with this. You're not gonna tell us what we have to do. Um and look look at the way that like look at the way like uh fifty what members of the parliament just rose up against Boris Johnson and said, Look, we're out. We're not coming back unless. Why can't we have that happen here? Do they do they have fluoride in the water over there? Just a question. <laughs> I've been well, distilling no. my own water. I've been distilling my own water for a long time, and I can tell you, it gives me so much energy and like it's the energy to do stuff. You know, I, I operate two community gardens on top of everything, and I recommend it for everyone. I think Americans should maybe push to get that stuff out of our water. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think in Massachusetts, I have to double check again, but last time I checked here, the tap water for the most part was was okay. 
Um, but you can actually, you guys can check this for like your state and not just your state, but your town. You can actually check online the, uh, what your water quality is. And I, I recommend that you do that. And because this is how another way that our lives end up being expensive, right? If you live in a town like Flint, for example, where you can't drink the water, then you have to buy bottled water all the time. Bottled water is expensive. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about where you're at, but here in Texas, you know, I challenge anyone to drink a full glass of tap water. You just can't do it, you know? Um, And I think that's probably true for a lot of places in America that people don't enjoy drinking water because out of the tap, it's disgusting and it's full of all kinds of chemicals. And then also our food as well. I know there's a lot of uh, chemicals in our food that are banned in Europe as well. And I think some of this uh, toxicity could be contributing to the lethargy of America, our kind of like low energy vibe we kind of have going on over here. I agree. Um, I have a filter. I don't know what it's called. I have like, you know, one of those, the refrigerator that we have, it has like that filter. So Mm -hmm. if it filters out the water, but um, I will say in Massachusetts, the tap water for the most part tends to be okay. Um, But if I go and I always have to remind myself of this, whenever I go visit my parents in South Carolina, I cannot drink the tap water. Yeah, Yeah, it's really bad here in Texas. And I use a water distiller. It was only a hundred dollars. You fill up a gallon of well water here in Texas is what I use. And you hit the button. It spits out a whole gallon of fresh distilled water. It's a hundred percent pure, clean water. Nothing but water. It's so good. All my friends, when they come over, they just like, can I have another glass of water? Wow, this is really good water, you know? And there really mm-hmm. is something to it. Um, so I couldn't, just can't recommend enough that everyone take control of your water filtration and your food as much as you can um we uh, food food and water food water and shelter those are three things that we're focused on here in america right now <laughs> i'm trying to get unfortunately the we're um there's a guy god i can't remember his name it's in my email somewhere but there's a gentleman um he actually built his own water filtration system and i was like mm-hmm. oh my god if he could give this to people in flint like i'm trying to see if i can get him to come on he built it himself yeah, that'd be great. And I just learned of a method called uh, bio biodigest uh, biodigester. It's a biogas tent or a biogas generator. And what it is, it's like a septic tank, but you throw all your organic scraps and veggies and stuff into this tank, and it spits out organic. You throw a, a certain kind of microbe in there, and it spits out methane and biogas that you could use to run a car, run an engine. Uh, cook with all this kind of stuff and it works so much more efficiently than a septic tank and it's actually cleaner than a septic tank it actually uh, filters the water itself back into the groundwater and with less toxins as well and it requires less maintenance and like i said it produces tons of usable biogas that we could um, be using for all kinds of things including elect- like electricity generation you know, you can build a system for it you can run two or three houses on one biodigester. Wow. I need to get back in touch with, you know, some of my, actually most of my students that I advised at MIT, they've graduated now. Um, I think I saw the final class go through um, this year because they have three different graduations. Um, but um, 
they were so smart. Those kids were so freaking intelligent. They could create anything. And I used to always tell them, like, you know, don't worry about the politics and the bureaucracy of this place. Like, you can leave this school right now. If it's too much for you, you can leave the school right now and you can create something and change the world. Yes. And it just like they they come up with so many ideas. Like these are people who really, really do want to make a change. They're not just trying to like, let me go to, to MIT so I can go work for this company. No, like they really want to make a change. Um, yeah. so I think, you know, I think we should lower that lower the age to 25 for president. The human brain is fully developed at 25. I was as good at 25 as I am now. Like we need to lower the presidential age to 25. I wonder how they came up with the age 35 to begin with anyway. Like who came up with that number? That's too old. It's not too old, but you know, it's too old for the minimum. <laughs> it's too high for a minimum. I wonder if it's because they prefer that you're married. I wonder if that's what it has to do with. Because we I think it has to do with the elderly geriatric vampire oligarchy. They're all old and they know that they have to feed off the young to survive. And so it's an old man's club. That's my theory. <laughs> all right. Well, Brady, thanks so much for calling in. Let's go to the next caller. Yeah. Uh, thank right. you for doing this. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, since you already spoke, I'm going to go to Scotty real quick, okay? So, Scotty, you are now on the mic. You just have to unmute. Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. You did a, a really uh, great job with the, uh, actually both interviews with uh, Nick Brana and uh, Zainab Day. And I came to the conclusion that I believe Zainab Day and Based on what I've heard about Nick Brana and, you know, from you guys and from others like Jordan Vanguard, that this whole thing with MPP has been a grift for, from the very start. Or if it wasn't from the start, it's been a grift for a while. And, um, like, the fact that I watched the interview with, uh, with you and Nick when it first happened, and the dude really gave off like gaslighter vibes, like especially when he he cried in the middle of the, uh, the interview when you asked him like, "Hey, why don't you step down?" Like it, it just gave off really creepy like gaslighter vibes. And I'll say this: I don't know if you uh, you'll agree with me, but I'll say that Jordan Jackson Hinkle nor Jimmy Dore should have interviewed him. I think it was better for somebody like you who wasn't connected to to the subject matter that didn't have any past history or prior history, present history with Nick would have done a better job of conducting that interview because everybody's feelings got involved and it became a shit show with, with the Jordan interview and then Jimmy and Jackson feeling like they had to defend their friend, which in turn makes them look bad. And it's just, it just became a real mess. And so after this, like the fact that he didn't provide any documentation and she did, and <laughs> the fact that 
even on the 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 phone call with the lawyer said that well we're not actually a party we just have to be a party to get representation like like it's a it's done like they're they're not a party and it's a shame that a lot of people got swept well I don't know if a lot of people, but the amount of people that got swept up in believing that it was a party, that they wasted their time, you know? Thank you so much for that, uh, Scotty. I just want to say, um, I would like to know what all the money was for. Like, I mean, I, I never donated money to MPP. Like, I, honestly, I'll be honest with you guys. After Bernie 2020... Because I donated a lot of money during that election cycle, I've been really reluctant to join another political organization. And when MPP, when I when I heard about the convention and everything, and I was like, "Wow, this looks like something different, and this is probably what we need to happen." Um, I still didn't donate money though. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I. I, I looked at the website and I saw the people that were involved and I was like, wow, like Cornell West is on board with this. And there were a lot of people um, that were on like that advisory board in the beginning. And then one by one, people started to drop off. I think what was kind of an alarm for me was when Ryan Knight stepped down. Um, because I know uh-huh. that Ryan was really, you know, passionate ab- about that movement. So that kind of signals some kind of, I guess, alarm for me. But, you know, to your point, like, I had never met Nick Brana. I had never, you know, I still would receive those MPP, like, the emails and stuff like that. And I saw the, the events and direct action and stuff like that that they were doing. But I was never able to attend those events because a lot of times they were in DC and I couldn't get down there money wise and stuff like that. But I had never met him. So it was just weird. Cause it was like, people think that because someone you follow someone or someone follows you on Twitter, that that means that you're necessarily friends with them. No, I haven't met most of these people. And so for me, it was just like, I felt like I gave him multiple opportunities. I asked him for that documentation when he was on the show. I reached back out to him again. Afterwards, I invited him on again when more allegations came out against him on Twitter. And I, and he said, yes, he would come on and he would like to bring on other people that was supposed to happen the next week. That never happened. So for the people, and I saw some trolls in the chat for the people who are upset and feels like Nick wasn't given a fair chance. He had multiple, multiple opportunities, multiple. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm sorry, but like, it just, I call it like I see it. If he would have provided some type of documentation that he said he was going to do, I would have shown that as well, but he did not. And you're, you have a point when he said about the political party thing. What, what does that tell you guys? What the hell have they been collecting money for? What's, what's all the money for? I'm sorry, but I asked him $20,000 for a logo. If you're not a political party or you're not trying to be a political party, why did you get ballot access in Florida? And they said they got it in Virginia. I'm like, that explains why there's no candidates. You see what I'm saying? And like, I asked him about that on the show. Why haven't you run any candidates on the local level? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it just it it just rubbed me the wrong way, and like I, I really felt bad. I really feel bad for the people involved that you know, especially Zainab. Like I see you here in the chat now, but um, I really feel bad for the people that you know put their life into it. And, you know, after getting done wrong by the Democratic Party, they wanted to actually do an alternative. And then the biggest alternative that they see is basically running a grift on people. And I'm just going to say it like right now, like if Jimmy or Jackson really want to keep their integrity, they're going to have to let this, like cut this guy off. They can't keep... They, they they shouldn't have interviewed him. Like neither them nor Georgia should have interviewed him if they if they got like too much in like involved, like whether you like him or dislike him. But yeah, like it, it's it's a shame and like hopefully this whole issue gets resolved because like after seeing like her reactions like you, you can't you can't sit there and fake like what she said on there. Like that's just like the woman has a daughter and you're sitting there calling her and like trying to press up on her <laughs> like and you're living in a different state. That's that's just foul. I'm sorry. That's just foul. Mm, I, one thing I, I will tell people too about people that are uh, abusers. Because I already know some people will see a certain demeanor and they'll say, oh, this seems like a nice guy. He seems like a nice person. I couldn't imagine him doing something like that. Let me tell you something. Abusers are sneaky and tricky. They don't uh-huh. show people who they really are. You, you don't think they know how to put on a front. They know how to manipulate people. And they usually do come across that way. They come across really nice and and sweet and things like that. And behind closed doors, they're a totally different person. And I know, like, I've had friends who have been in abusive relationships before. And it's always a surprise because it's like, holy crap, I would have never imagined he would do something like that. It just, you never know what people are like behind closed doors. So my whole thing is, it's just like the people, some of the people in the chat tonight that were just so quick to, like, jump and defend, I'm like, are you motherfuckers in a cult? Like, damn, nobody can speak against your leader. Come uh, on, cult's now. A, per- cult's a personality. Like, we have we have an issue with like like cult of personality. Whether it's like your favorite artist, like R. Kelly, your favorite politician, <laughs> or like AOC, or like somebody who they believe is good for the movement, like Nick Brana. Like, people want to believe in heroes. They want to believe that somebody's out there fighting for them. And, yeah, like, they just can't let go of their, like, their image of the hero in their head. But I, I'll go. I see that uh, Zainab was in the, in the call. So... Yeah, good. Uh, I love the work that you got uh, RBN does, and keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Scotty. All right, Zainab, I'm actually going to go to you next because um, I'm sorry, Lance, but you spoke already. I'll come back, Lance the Ladybug. All right, Zainab, you're on the mic. You just have to unmute. 
Hey, Sabby. Sorry to read your uh, call-in, but I always listen to your call-ins. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's weird. Um, uh, thank you for having me on tonight. That was, I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to get emotional, but I, I did. You know, that was hard. That was weird. But it, it's like a uh, telling what happens to you. after an organization or or people come out and there's all this like public thing is a, uh, it's like a weight, a weight lifted up off your, off your shoulders, you know, cause you get to, you get to say what happened you get to say what you lived. Um, and it's not, it's not easy, but, um, for me, I think the biggest thing is accountability um, I, I worked for AOC. I worked for Cori Bush. I worked for Justice Democrats and brand new Congress. And I, I spoke out when they went to the wayside. But this was something different. This was abuse and it was systemic and it was long term and I lived it. And other people lived it, too. I wasn't the only ones. The board members that were removed, they were abused, too. Paula Jean, she was treated like shit. She came up for an event. She filed a complaint about it. They didn't even look at her complaint, um, but she was treated horribly. Uh, there are a lot of people that were treated bad, and it all stems back to, to that. If we're building something better, if we're building something better, we're building a movement. We're poor people, right? I'm a fucking poor person. I'm from Appalachia. I grew up in a trailer park. You know, my dad's Afro-Iranian. I'm poor, been poor my whole life. I went to Southeastern Kentucky University. Luckily, I had was able to get on assistance and go to college because I had a kid. Shit's hard, man. And the thing is, is we want hope. We want this hope in our hearts for something better, right? That's why I joined the People's Party. I want something better. I want something other than the, the status quo. But if you got somebody at the top that's acting that way and is treating people that way, not just me, but other people. What he did to me was, was different because there was everything else that was involved in that. But the fact is, is he's treated other people this way. Once they get power, once these people get power, it gets worse. And so that's why I, I came forward and I spoke out is because it, it gets worse. I, I kept quiet for a while, but then I just couldn't, I couldn't hold it anymore. And uh, I needed to, I needed to say something. And thank you, Sabby, for letting me come on. And because I know that you had, you did have Nick on. You asked him for the receipts. You, you, it was a fair interview. And I know I was upset when the interview first happened because Nick was sad. When you asked him the question, he started to tear up about whether he would step down. And for me, that was really hard for me to hear because for me, are you going to be upset about somebody asking you to step down after all the shit you just did? You just did. You did that stuff to me. And that's the thing that upsets you is people asking you to step down. So, uh you know, that's just, that's the raw truth of it. Um, I'm being raw tonight. I apologize if it's too much. But uh, I appreciate people listening. And the thing is, is that demonizing women that come forward, 
advising people that come forward about abuse. I know a man right now that's being abused by his girlfriend. So it's not just women that go through it. It's not okay. And it's, I'm not trying to ruin something. I believe in this. I want something different. I've spent my whole life doing this shit. It's why I do this. Um, but I, I can't. There has to be accountability, just like we have accountability with the squad, just like we have accountability with these representatives. Why I spoke out, even though I was comms director for AOC, why I spoke out against her not doing force the vote and not doing the things she needed to do. There has to be accountability. If there's not accountability, we're building up something that is on a rocky foundation. So even on the left, we have to build up something that's real. And this person is abusive, horrible to other people. We don't realize that and and what's going on. So that's all I got to say. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I I see cases here. I'm going to see if I can invite case to speak. Um, oh, I, I love you, Kate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Zayman, I mean, Zayman, like, hey. I really appreciate you coming forward and like, you know, telling your side of the story. Like I said, I know that was not easy to do. And I, most of the time, this does not happen. I want you guys to understand most of the time they don't come forward because of all the criticism and attacks they get from people. So Savvy, I, I got a um, letter from them three weeks ago or, or about four weeks ago that was like threatening. Like, you know, if I've been threatened by the attorney. I was threatened by the People's Party, you know, for, um, you know, slander. But I, it's not slander if it's the fucking truth. Excuse my language, but if it's the truth, it's not slander. And they have been doing that since the beginning. And they they didn't just send it to me. They sent it to Paula Jean Swearingen. They sent it to Sabrina. They sent it to all the board members. They sent us basically a threatening letter that I got and I had to sign for that was threatening me to come forward. Their lawyers have been threatening me the whole time. How the hell is this any different than what any other establishment anything does. You know, and and the thing that kills me is these board members that are there, they have witnessed Nick's abuse firsthand and they've complained to me about it. But yet they cover for him. I don't understand. There's a cognitive dissonance there. I don't get it. It's one person. If a movement is built on one person, the movement is built on fractured foundations from the freaking beginning and if this person is abusive to other people and they're from such deep privilege that they can't reconcile how they're treating other people it's a problem it's a problem and what happens if he gets all this power you know what happens if it becomes a party and then he's the chair of it how will he be treating people then and that's why, that's one of the reasons I came forward. I wasn't the first person to be abused by him. I just happened to be abused in the way that I was abused. But I wasn't the first person that brought complaints. And those complaints were ignored. Right. I think what people need to understand is um, 
you know, when I, when I got the recordings, I listened to all of them. I know you guys, it sucks. You guys couldn't hear it. Like the volume was really low because it was weird on my end. It was very loud, but I think it's because of the screen share thing. I don't know, but, um, it might've been because the, the device I was using it through, but I listened to all of those recordings. And I think one of the calls was like 45 minutes long. I listened to all of them. And I'm just going to tell you guys, when I listened to those recordings, I knew right then and there, Nick Brauner was lying. Just based on my interview that I had with him and what he told me in that interview and what was on those recordings. Because he specifically said to me that they found that there was nothing found in the investigation. And that there was no need to move forward and they closed it. But on that, that recording that I listened to, obviously they did find something. And that's why they were making those recommendations that needed to happen. If they didn't find anything, why would they say he needed to take some type of sexual harassment courses if they didn't find anything? That's not what he told me. So you guys know I always come with receipts. I always come with receipts. Uh, Case, you want to jump in here for a second? Yeah. Hey, much love to everybody in the chat. Much love, Sabrina and Sanab. Um, sorry, I I just I was looking forward to this calling too, but for some reason I just saw it, so I'm coming in real late. Um, so I don't I I kind of um still have to catch up on you know Zanab's story, so I'm going to go back and listen to this. But I, my opinion of a movement for people's party and um, Nick Brana is basically I, I go along with what CJ was saying. Like at the top, he he's the leader of the group right now. He needs to step down. He needs to let somebody else who is uh, maybe have an election for somebody to take over the chair. If you're going to have any kind of accountability or legitimacy to the movement for people's party and bring back some sort of um, legitimacy to it, we, they need to have a new leader. That's, that's where I stand on this uh, topic right now. Can I, can I add to that case? Sure. Like we're supposed to be working toward at the people's party. I'm just going to spill all the tea, <laughs> spill the tea tonight, but we were supposed to be working toward where we have a, democratic body right that that decides things but from and this was one of my concerns from the onset you know nick was trying to get in the way of that we were supposed to have what was called a national organizing committee but this national organizing committee was supposed to be people from the states that were already working that were already organizers and nick was like is there anyone that you could know and he actually this is one of the things that pissed me off the most. He said that Paula Jean didn't bring anyone in from West Virginia for the National Organizing Committee. Well, here's the thing. She wasn't going to bring randos in that were just going to support Nick Brana. She actually wanted to find people that cared, right, that were actually going to do the work. And the entire board, even the people that stuck with him in the end, were like, we have to stop trying to have control when we're supposed to have, we're supposed to be moving into a horizontal structure. And I supported a horizontal structure. I supported having elections. I supported this. But even Nick's election is like the most known person and everything else. That's, I mean, it was, it's just all messed up. It's like a, it's like a place where somebody is just trying to keep power over something, if that makes any sense, because they started it. But it's, they're also telling people at the same time, we're going to grow. We're, we're supposed to be having these electoral processes. We're supposed to be doing, that's why I joined. 
It was supposed to be an electoral process. The, you know, they were supposed to vote on a platform. And while the retaliation was happening after all the complaint, you know, there were things that they were doing to try to keep control for Nick of the platform, of the things that we were doing. And he would stay on calls. I'm telling you, board calls for board calls would go on for like six or seven hours until like four in the morning because Nick would not stop. He would not stop until even if the board disagreed with him until they agreed with him on something. And this was abusive, not just to me, but to everybody. What he did to me was just part of the abuse that he did to everybody. It is not your thing. If you're growing a movement, it has to grow beyond you. You cannot be the center of the goddamn movement. Let other people have voices. And, you know, he's from McLean, Virginia. He's from wealth. He went to the same schools that, you know, the Democratic Party people did. He says, I'm a Democratic Party operative. Goddamn. I grew up in Appalachia. I lived in fucking trailer park. <laughs> I'm not from the Democratic Party. Um, but he did. He worked for those people and shit. And he used their tactics. And it's just when you have someone that's abusive, somebody that wants to maintain this narcissistic control, they do it to everybody. It wasn't just to me. It was literally to everybody. This is at that point, it becomes a cult. It doesn't become a political party anymore. It becomes a cult around a personality. And that's why I speak out against the squad. That's why I speak out against AOC. That's why I, I talk about these things is because we can't have a cult, a freaking personality. We have to organize and we have to get shit done because we need health care. I haven't had health care in like eight years. I didn't have health care at the People's Party. Are you kidding me? I haven't had health care forever. I'm poor as shit. I'm tired. And, you know, this bullshit. And then on top of it, being pressured for sex, being pressured to lose my job at 60000 a year when I'd never had a job like that. And knowing I couldn't have a job like that was hard. I'm just being honest. That's all I got to say. Wow, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, it's happen. I could never imagine what it would be like to be in that position. You know, thankfully I'm I'm, I'm a male and, and I've I've been in uh, just a standard jobs my whole life, and I've never felt those pressures. Um, and I can only imagine it being a, a, a woman being in that type of position where you know your whole livelihood depends on this job and if you don't have it what would you do and that's where bosses and people of authority take advantage of that and man it's just i hope we get to a point where we can systematically uh work that out of the system definitely yeah and we can do it i believe so yeah I believe it. go ahead saps well, the whole thing, too, I got to see part of Hardland's media today, not all of it. I have to go back and watch the rest. But, um, you know, Kit asked uh, Jimmy, same thing I asked, you know, he's like, hey, are you running? Like, and Jimmy was like, you know, no, like, and I just point back to 
MPP is still putting out information saying he's running. <laughs> like, it's just like, no, like, that's not cool. And I, I mean, like, <sighs> you know, I, I just feel like the fact that, and maybe this is my fault, maybe I should have done more research, but I feel like the fact that I thought all along this was going to be like a third political party. And then I see, and you know, I hear these statements and then I see that, hear that recording where they say, well, no, we're not trying to be a political party. Then what are you doing? Like, why are you, why are you saying that, you know, Jimmy Dore is running for MPP? Well, why are you saying that? You took all these people money. Give them their fucking money back. Like, I'm sorry, but. What Sadly, did they do? Can I, can I say that that's one of the things that like upset me the most because I was I was running their fundraising right. I was writing the emails and I wrote emails for the Justice Democrats, right? I wrote emails for the first abolish ICE platform that came out. I wrote the emails for you know these candidates that we supported that didn't do goddamn shit for us, and now here I am. I'm sitting there and I'm writing emails for the People's Party, and I'm like, but. You know, Nick would go in and he would literally edit my emails and make it bullshit. But I didn't want to talk about bullshit. Like, I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie anymore. And and you're exactly right. These people are giving their money. They're giving their time. The people that were on the board that were removed gave hours and hours and hours of their time. Sabrina, poor Sabrina that got ran through the mud and they were horrible to her and Nick orchestrated this whole petition against her that went public and then they went in and they raided her freaking Wikipedia page who does that who does that that's not real but they did that shit um so like they're taking people's money. How is that any different than the goddamn Democratic Party and the shit that I went through at JD, the shit that I went through at BNC, the shit that I went through at all these different places? How is that any different than, you know, what I went through coaching AOC on her talking points for like eight hours before she had an interview, before she was elected? It is no different. It is no different. It's the same bullshit. And that's the thing on the left that we've got to realize is that this bullshit is breaking us. We got to have poor people on the platform. We got to have people like Case and Sabrina and others to actually speak about this stuff. Agreed. Um, Zineb, thanks so much for, I'll, I'll just put you as a, um, as a speaker and I'm going to bring Thomas, uh, Roger and Lance spoke already. So I'm going to bring, uh, Thomas in on the call. Uh, Thomas, you're on the call. You just have to unmute. I'm muted. So, so for those who, uh, don't know who I am, um, I'm one of the former board members that got removed. <laughs> um, I used to be the national tech director for people's party. And, uh, as Zainab mentioned on the call, I was the person that she first reported the situation to, and, you know, I, to, to me, it was shocking. Um, you know, uh, in, in the months before that, you know, um, obviously Nick had, uh, you know, uh, people have complained about Nick and his antics and his behavior and the fact that his expectation for 
for work, you know, he, he expected everybody to just drop, drop what they're doing and, and just do what he says when he, when he says it, you know, he's very, um, uh, dictatorial. He doesn't, uh, you know, he, his expectation for timetables is ludicrous. Um, you know, he, he would, uh, often, um, argue with people, you know, they, they would give him a, a good faith estimate on how long they thought they could do it. And then he would just be like, well, can you do it in half that? Can you do that in a third of that? Like people would say, well, it would take me, you know, three, four days to work on this. And, and he'd be like, I want it by this afternoon and just leave it at that. And, you know, it's, I got complaints from people, um, even within my own working group, uh, about, you know, his unreasonable demands on people's time. And I actually had people quit over that. And, you know, it's, you know, th those, those phone calls for the, uh, our board meetings were just outrageous. I mean, we, we would, we would decide something and then Nick would just, because he disagreed with everybody else in the board, would just hold the board calls hostage for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours on time till people finally, because some people had work the next day, you know, people actually ha gave up and, and fell off the call. And then that would change the composition. And then he'd hold another vote where while half the board was gone on something, or he wouldn't even hold a vote at all. He would just haggle everybody till they made, he came to like some weird pseudo agreement that wasn't actually recorded on paper. And then he'd lord that over us, you know, at, 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 at you know, at somewhere down the line. And, you know, it's, it was, it, you know, I, after I left that environment, you know, after I got kicked out, I, I, you know, I look back on it. I'm just like, it was, it was toxic. It was absolutely toxic. I, I, I was stressed out beyond my mind. I like, I, I put in, uh, you know, Zainab, Zainab put in tons of hours um, I was putting in so many hours into the people's party and doing work and actually, you know, trying to trying to carry a lot of things that Nick would just let drop or he would sabotage. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to pick up the you know, pick up the paces after it would happen, like what, with what happened with our um, the the the, the uh, outreach group, the national uh, the, the, the the circle for. Uh, um, political outreach. There was a whole mess and situation that happened there. And he was just like, eh, I don't feel like going and talking to them. Eh, you know, who, who cares about that situation? And, and, and so I was like, I was the only one I was like, oh my God, you know, our, one of our major working groups is like burning to the ground and you're not even going to, you know, nobody, uh, uh, David Meisel and, and Nick were just like, eh, we don't want to deal with it. And so I ended up actually going and trying to salvage the damn situation. And, and I, you know, I, I have a job. I, I, I you know, I, there's been times, you know, in terms of the, the time that I've put into the people's party where it actually almost cost me a roof over my goddamn head. Um, you know, I was working ridiculous hours in some instances just to, just to, you know, I mean, it was crazy. I, I, I'd be spending upwards to 30, 40 hours a week on the people's party and not getting one goddamn dime for it. And, and, you know, and that cost me time that I could have been working on my own job and my own customers who were absolutely upset because I was, you know, I was so, uh, you know, I wasn't able to spend as much time on their work and, and it was costing my, me my income. You know, I almost bottomed out in, in January of, uh, of 21. I almost, I, I almost ran out of money in my bank account. I almost, I wasn't able to make rent. 
that month. I actually ended up having to turn to crypto trading and literally gamble my money on the crypto markets just to, just to, I was able to make, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars barely by the skin of my teeth, uh, just to make rent that month. Um, and it, there was no appreciation by Nick, by, by any of the old, the people that were there long term. There was no appreciation for the people that were sacrificing a lot of time. To, to keep the people's party afloat. And, and it, you know, we believed in the movement. Zaina believed in the movement. I believed in the movement. We worked our asses off. And, and it's just, it, it's just, it's so frustrating because, because we did believe in the vision of it. And, and, and we were sold a bad bill, you know, and, and it's, 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 I, I can't say enough. The, the, the situation is fucked up. And I, you know, I, I did my due diligence. When Zana reported it to me, I immediately turned around. I was like, I cannot be the only person to hear this. I went out. I talked to another, I got another board member. I asked Todd and Todd and I, and Todd, Todd then came and listened to Zainab's story. And then both of us went and reported to the board and, 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 and called the special committee. And I, myself, I stepped back. I was like, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, be a, be a part of the special committee that investigates this. I understand that in my position, because like I was the only person there who was going to all the staff meetings. Nobody else would give a goddamn time to spe- to go to the staff meetings to find out what the stuff, what was going on in the organization. I would go to national working group calls. I, I would, I would go to various True. calls. Thomas was always at every staff meeting and like at literally every meeting we had. And he wasn't getting yeah. I went to I went to the finance meetings. I went to the organizing meetings. I went on a rare occasion. I did actually show up to an action meeting when they actually had one. Um, I went to the the uh, the political outreach meetings. I did. I held tech meetings. I had actually three or four different tech meetings a week going at one point. Um, I went to the staff meetings. I was spending time on the side working with Zana, trying to help get the fundraising up. In January, we were, I, I was working on, I was, I regularly met with the art, the art team, um, you know, to talk about working on a new website design. Um, you know, I, I had, I was all over the place. I was going nearly to as many meetings as Nick was. Um, but none of the rest of the board, and I, I, I'm not trying to throw some, some of my folks, uh, some of the other folks that got removed under the bus or anything. They had jobs. I, I have a job, but I have more flexibility in when I can do my job. And, and and so as a result, you know, I, I I have you know I can shift around my schedule to make it work in some ways around the, the schedule of meetings and things at People's Party. But other people didn't have that. A lot of them had regular nine to fives. Um, in the case of like David, uh, 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 the one David, um, he he works you know uh, in the flight industry, and that's you know it's it's a, a scheduling nightmare. Um, another is uh, you know. Uh, a, a, a union organizer and, and he has a regular nine to five and he has kids and, you know, it, so, you know, but I tried to make the opportunity to go to all these meetings and all these calls. So I knew what was going on inside the organization. I knew what, uh, you know, uh, you know, how, how the organization was operating and I was paying attention, you know, while, you know, a lot of this situation was going down. And so, you know, when this whole thing happened, I was just, it, I was I was flabbergasted um, that, you know, it had gotten to this point. I was really, uh, really tired and annoyed because, you know, I had been 
ringing the alarm bells that, you know, we needed to change directory, that we needed to fix some of these chronic structural issues that we had inside the org for months and months and months, all the way back to even before the first petition group that came forward. You know, I was saying about, you know, well, we need we need proper policies and procedures. We need um, a proper handling of the finances and the books. We need, uh, you know, a financial audit. We need all kinds of things. And I would just get blown off. And it, it it's just mismanaged top to bottom, left, right, front, back. And 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 there is no there's no impetus. There is no feeling that they need to fix the situation because as it stands right now, it currently serves to stroke Nick's ego and it feeds it. It makes him feel important and it's his little baby that he ain't going to give up. And, and so it ain't the people's party. It's the Nick Brana party. And sorry if I'm just, I'm <laughs> sorry for yelling. I'm just, it's oh boy. Um, it's okay. um, Thomas, uh, you know, I'm I'm sorry you had to go through all of that. I I, I want to say uh, to everyone listening, this is another example why I continue to tell you these movements need to be led by working class people. This yep. is another example. Yep. It's just I, you know, how many times is something like this going to happen? And again, I like to point back to the civil rights movement. I know you guys say I use that example a lot. But if you look at the people who were leading the civil rights movement, not even just the leaders, but the volunteers and stuff, it wasn't just people that were upper middle class or middle class. You had working class people. That's why it worked. And that's why that's what it needs to be. But all too often at that organization, I hate to say this, but a lot of the people that were volunteering were, you know, middle to upper class or they were retired and they had the time to spend on it and they did not respect it when people were, you know, of a lower class that were putting a lot of time and sacrificing a lot of things that they just did not respect that. And, you know, there was this expectation, you know, uh, that, you know, you need to listen to us on, on these things, even though you're, you know, yeah, sorry, I'm, (laughs) Oh, no worries. I'm just going to say good night to Zainab because I know she said it's midnight. Um, So, Zainab, thanks so much um, for coming on. Yeah. Thank you, Zainab. And and I'm I'm so proud of you. Thank you for, you know. Okay. I can can hang out, but I'll I'll keep quiet and just listen to what's going on here. You you guys don't have to have me as like a, a speaker, but. I, I feel like this is this problem that we're having with the People's Party. I have learned through, you know, through being part of Justice Democrats, for being part of Branded Congress, for being part of like, this is not this. What I found is there's a there's a disconnect between privilege and people that are struggling. Mm-hmm. And there's a disconnect between um between that and and that's why i get i get really mad you know the abuse that i suffered was in part because i'm poor and they knew that because i was poor i have to have this job mm. like i can't i can't leave this job right 
because I'm, I'm a poor graduate from EKU University. It doesn't matter what I did before. It doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, and then I then I put myself in this political situation where I'm calling out AOC. I'm calling out Corey Bush, who I worked with for five years as like a, a communications consultant. The, the People's Party understood this. Um, there were good people there. There were so many good people there. You guys don't understand. There were so many amazing volunteers. The whole state of Virginia left because of issues that they had with the People's Party that had nothing to do with this. Um, the thing is, is if we're going to build something, we have to build something from the ground up. Mm-hmm. From the from the struggling up, from the people that have lived through the shit up, from the people that have been in the dirt that have had nothing up. Um, we don't need a goddamn hero. We don't need Bernie Sanders. We don't need Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We don't need a Nick Brana who's a, an abusive asshole. We have to... We have the power in our own hands to, because we've lived through it. We know. We know in our hearts what we live through. We need to start talking about it. So I implore everyone here who's listening, anyone that's whatever, talk about it. Talk about the shit that you've been through. Talk about your student loans. Talk about the debt. Talk about um not being able to buy a home as a millennial. Talk about not having health care. I have intracranial hypertension. That's one of the reasons that I wouldn't have sex with Nick Brana is because I had pain in my back. And he felt entitled to it. People aren't entitled to us. They're not entitled because we're poor they're not entitled because we're struggling and we have the power we have the voice we have the position to say fuck this just like the farmers did in the Netherlands we got it so we just got to hold hands together and rise up as poor people, as people that have been through the nonsense. And, uh, you know, when people say things like, oh, they were me too, they were blah, 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 that undermines what poor people go through. We go through this shit all the time. Women go through this shit all the time. The establishment, they they have their structures. They got their lawyers. They got their whatever. But don't let that intimidate you. That's my message. And that's why I came forward. It's because like everything that everyone's been through and everything that everyone feels every day, not being able to, you know, like <laughs> I bought cup of noodles because it's all I can afford right now. Cause I can't find another job because this shit I've applied for 400 places. This is the damage. This is what happens. You're you're, you're feeding your babies ramen noodles. This is this is not just me. This is how society is. Well, this is how screwed up it is that, you know, I mean, Nick went on his little smear campaign 
um, before, you know, be, before you even came forward, Zainab. You know, he, he, he came forward. He already started to try to poison the well on what happened. Um, he put out lies that, you know, it has now been demonstrably proven false. And, 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 and that's done damage to your reputation. It's done damage to your, to your, um, you know, employment opportunities. And, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely absurd, um, that, that he's, he, that he's done this. And I, I cannot understand how anybody can defend that kind of thing. You know, he, all he could have done was just say, I, I deny any allegations. And he did not have to put a post on social media. He did not have to go on four to five shows and start talking before, before anybody talked about the internal details about the investigation. And, you know, it's, it's done real damage to the people who have been victimized in this situation. And, you know, Tom, it's just not about Nick. It's about like on the left, you know, we get, we got it. We got to cut. We got to quit glorifying these heroes. We got to quit doing this nonsense. Like we got to come together as like, there are people like, like case and Sabrina and RBN and other people that I've met. And it's the only thing that's like kept me going camp Dada. I love camp Dada. <laughs> these people give me life because they're poor and they know, and they've struggled, and you know, I'm I, I am really tired of rich, privileged people speaking for us. I'm tired of them using our body. Mm-hmm. They they used my, Nick used my body, my body, but people use our brains, our volunteer work, our ten dollars we have to give. They use us up. Just that that has to stop. That has to stop. And, you know, we we got to start. I know I know Sabby reached out to us on the women's panel about about starting a an actual mutual aid network for women that are going to have to, like, face what's going on with with Roe v. Wade. And she's right. Like we we have to come together because we ain't got nothing, but together we got numbers, at least that. We got solidarity. We got love. We got my mama giving me green beans, even though it's the only thing that she's got on the vine right now for me to take home and eat because I don't have any groceries. We got that. And we we can come together and we can bring that together and we can actually build something real. If we're going to challenge the power, the powers that exist in this world, we have to be able to support each other. Um, that's where that whole talk about parallel power comes in. It, you know, if, if, if we're afraid to protest because we, you know, we're going to lose our income or we're going to get kicked out of our apartments or we're not going to be able to feed our kids the next day, you know, if we don't have solutions to support people, so average people, everyday people, not privileged people that, you know, can take can take a day or two off and be like, oh, yeah, no, I can, you know, I, I can go to the protest. No, real hardworking people that have to work their ass off with one, two, three jobs. If we can't su- help support them so that they can turn out 
to the, you know, and be a part of the movement and actually go out, protest, be out in the streets, be, be at actions, then our movement is not going to represent them. They have to be able to participate in the movement. And we have to do that by building mutual aid and building support structures so that people can be given a voice, average, everyday, hardworking, you know, people like us can have a voice in the movement because otherwise it's only the people who can afford to take the time off, who can afford, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, being able to travel, you know, uh, three or four states away to go to a protest. It's the only people that can afford, you know, uh, you know, they, they already have a full, a full, a full fridge, you know, those are the people that are going to be represented. It's the people that have money. And, and I just, you know, it, it's mutual aid is so foundational and not just that, but I don't think people realize how bad the situation is going to become in the coming months. There is a food shortage coming. You know, we're, we're talking about the, the Republicans and, 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 you know, the crazy ass shit that they're running through 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 uh, through the courts through the states um but you know that's just the beginning and where this is going is to be very into very very dark places and i kid you not there i i am seeing it you know i it, everything's aligning while everybody you know it, it there is going to be a food shortage and we need to be prepared if we have a solution and if we have, you know, that's how we build political power. If we're going to people and saying, hey, you know, we're getting the food to you. We're working with you. That's how you build those relationships with people in your neighborhoods, in your communities. Then, you know, those people, those people know you. You can talk to them. You can reach them. You can talk to them about the problems they're facing. You can talk to them about how we're going to make change in this country. But. We have to make that connection. And, and, and even in crisis, we have to build that. In crises, we have to build solidarity with people. We have to lock hands together and support each other. And that's how we make change. And so, you know, you know, as you said, Zaina, you know, trying to find ways to get women access to abortion care. Um, you know, finding ways to to get food on people's plates um when when the food banks run out like this is times are getting very bad and and we really do need to be focusing on the local and there is so much so much that we can do on the local level there is so much you know we we talk about congress and the you know the three ring circus that is our federal political system but you know the laws, their last mile, that implementation occurs at the state level. It occurs in our communities, in the municipalities. You know, the federal government authorizes a lot of funds for a lot of programs and, and, and support systems and structures. And then that money, ultimately how it gets implemented and who it gets given to and who, do, who it doesn't get given to and how it gets used is managed by the states. It's managed by the municipalities. There is so much we could do in our immediate community to change the situation that we as individuals are in. So it's, you know, rent moratoriums being passed yeah. at the city level. It's, it's 
you know, getting the state to sponsor increased, you know, food bank, you know, more food going to the food banks. It's, you know, getting people, you know, setting up, you know, uh, more clinics, more drive around clinics. You know, in my own community, you know, the, 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 the state helps put money towards funding for, for, for doctors to provide, you know, uh, uh, pop up clinics. That, that will go, go to the churches and help provide in care to low income families and things. And, and why aren't we demanding more of that? Why are, you know, why are, <laughs> there is so much we could do at the local level. And, and, and we need to be focusing on that because we, we've gotten distracted by the, the federal three ring circus. And if we want to have a foundation to build power, we have to build it here at the ground. Um, and, and I just want to digress for one second uh, back to what I was saying before. Um, after, you know, because I was working with, you know, Zena and the staff and, and so many groups in the org so closely, I, I was like, I don't want to be a part of the investigatory committee. I don't want to be, you know, you know, that needs to proceed by itself on its own. And, you know, and and so I didn't I didn't become part of the investigatory committee. So all this baloney about, you know, that they put out all this smear about, oh, well, Thomas and others, they they wanted to they wanted to get rid of Nick and all these. things. Well, then why? Why would I say I'm not going to be part of the committee? I'm going to be, you know, uh, you know, I understand I have a conflict. I'm going to step back. You know, if I really wanted to if I really wanted to, to influence Thomas. things. I, I, I would be, I'd be, I'd insert myself on the goddamn committee. So no. <sighs> Anyways, I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention that's a little it. bit of the background there. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> um, Greg Bruce is here, uh, invited as a speaker. Uh, Greg, you just have to unmute. What's your take on all of this? Well, it's, it's been a lot to take in. Um, I would like to, uh, thank uh, Zainab for, by coming forward, it's uh, very brave of you. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's disappointing. I mean, not, I'm not going to say I'm disappointed in Nick Brown. I, I never had expectations for him as an individual. It's just disappointing that, um, nor the first, at least in this current, um, you know, era, like it seemed like the first big, um, post Bernie Sanders, uh, third party movement aside from, you know, the Green Party that was already there has had, has had this happen to it. You know, it's, it's, um, and, and just from an outsider's perspective, even if Nick and, um, this hypothetical, um, that if he was innocent, which he's not, but hypothetically, if he were completely innocent, stepping down still would have been the best move for the movement because, you know, of it already having been public, you know, so it's it just, it shows that, you know, it's this uh, movement has been got, got taken over by someone who's really out for themselves and really um, has a very uh, capitalism approach to things. You know, um, what stood out uh, to me earlier was uh, when Zinab said, you know, you had to keep your job. Yeah, that's in this society, we need to. Keep, stay in these horrible conditions because uh, 
our society doesn't value us as human beings enough to take care of our basic needs so that we have the ability to leave a horrible situation with our jobs. It's it just in so Nick clearly just used capitalism to exploit um, one of, someone who was working for him. So it's it's just it's just sad to see, and um, nothing can undo, undo the harm that has already been done. But hopefully, we as a movement, we can all learn from this, and like has been said, you know, get away from this hero worship thing, this individual uh, leader, because that's. That's really just how capitalists approach things. You know, that's not really how the left is. So that's my take on it. Well said, well said. Uh, Case, I want to get you in here too. Um, I do just want to say really quick that um, I think Greg brought up a good point. He knew that, I know we gone way off topic here, but uh, he knew that Zainab was a single mom. And I feel like he took advantage of that. It's it's just it's it's ridiculous. Case, I want to get your uh input here. Oh, I think Case dropped off. Might be past time. Um, okay. Uh, Thomas, I'll put you up as a a speaker, and let's go ahead and bring in Lance. So Lance, you're on the mic. Hey, say, Sabby. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know. As far as like the whole Nick Brown thing, all oh, I mean, stuff you're talking about. Nick Brown reminds me of kind of, I guess, like Howie Hawkins. He's a hometown boy. I know him. He's not Jill Stein. Jill Stein's a credible president. She'd be wonderful. Howie Hawkins is all about Howie. You know, Nick Brown is all about Nick Brown, you know. But if I may, to reflect on what Zainab was talking about, I only mentioned this one other time, and it was on your show, about being mugged by a cop. He happened to be uh, African-American, okay, and I got mugged. I live in the town, the poorest, one of the poorest towns in America, 48% child poverty. We have the number one, five, and eight, that Syracuse, Rochester, and Buffalo in terms of uh, racially, you know, uh, you know, focused poverty. Uh, now, there's some positive things happening, actually, uh, currently, but, okay, so right now, I take care of my uncle. He's 91, and this is not a sob story, by the way. My uncle, 91, I take care of him. We're trying to get him, I'm trying to get him on Medicare, Medicaid. He's on Medicare, so that I could finally start getting paid as a caregiver. I have maybe $10,000 total in the world. Now, again, not like trying to get into like some kind of like Peyton Place drama. But I've only been taking care of my uncle for the last like two or three years. He needs 24-7 care and all that. My two sisters have the will. One tried to have me arrested for something I didn't do. The cops came and said, oh, of course we're going to stay here. Of course we think we're going to arrest you. Why would a sister run another? Okay. No, they left. They said, well, how crazy is that? Right. Okay. Big deal, right? I'm not, you know what I mean? My other sister said when I said, geez, uh, sis, I'm not in the will or anything, but I've been taking my care of Uncle John, you know, without you taking him to any appointments, me 24-7, I have to lift him in and out of the bath, okay? You know, uh, da-da-da, okay? 
Yeah, don't, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll throw you a couple thousand dollars. You know, if he drops, you know, when, if and when he passes, right? But that, that's my life, right? I'm uh, very likely going to be homeless because it's different than paying like first month's, last month's security deposit, getting a place. That's like, that's like, that's like, that's like old fashioned stuff. You better have not just a bank account. You better have a credit rating. So, and I'm like on about a three or four year list of, uh, I just turned 65. So I've got social security, a thousand a month. Uh, I'm going to be homeless if my uncle Josh's dead in uh, the next few, you know, years, God forbid, you know, not to sound morbid. Okay. And, and my situation is exponential, not exponentially, but at least, you know, arithmetically, right? Geometrically, you know, better than Zainab's, you know, I don't have a support group. But she's way worse off than me. And it's like, this is what half the country's going through. I'm like, like the median. <laughs> okay. Yep. 65 year olds who, you know, and my uncle owns the house. I don't pay rent. You see what I mean? So it's not like, you know what I mean? So like, I'm like two steps away from homelessness, like a step and a half. And so it's, 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 it's rougher. Even, you know, than anybody thinks. You know what I mean, Savvy? And you've heard me talk on these shows. I talk politics. I talk this. I don't give you sob stories. Right? And mine is so much better. My situation is better than people like the and stuff. You know? And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, there you go. And, you know. The Lance credit scores what? for renting is total garbage. What? I mean. They ask us our credit scores to buy a home, right? But why are they asking us our credit scores to rent a freaking? Why do we have to have like a a seven hundred and twenty credit score to rent? A, 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 to rent, we're not. You know why? You know why? You know, yeah. You know why? Like, Dana? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's why: because if you're going to the store to Walmart and you're going to pay whatever because it's a corporate like hierarchy. In other words, everything's local. In other words, property is local. School boards are still local. Landlords used to be local. You see? They're all being phased out. In other words, I refuse to work all my life for a corporate like Applebee's. I was a restaurant guy. You know? Places where I could move up and get things. No. I'll work for a few dollars less because I could look eyeball to eyeball (laughs) to the owner. And said, no, I'm gone because I would do 100 110% of the job, et cetera, et cetera. I, I was a teamster. I was in two unions simultaneously. One was called the, let's see, uh, Amalgamated Meat Cutters, uh, you know, uh, 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 of America. What was it called? And the Teamsters, when I worked at UPS, I was a UPSer. Amalgamated meat, cur- Amalgamated meat Cutters, Butcher Workmen, and Associated Craftsmen of North America. They had the longest name and the weakest bullshit, you know, corrupt mafia union you ever saw. It was all the same name. Tallarico was like eight out of the ten names on the board of directors, right? But I was also in the Teamsters, right, when I worked at UPS. So I saw these things, since you know, and I'm a geezer, right? So, you know, <laughs> right? So I've seen these things inside and out. And I've been so cynical about the corruption of everything since I was, you know, born basically, but it's so much worse. It is so 
like like the people on the far left are so propagandized to think things that well you know i'm sorry but like like richard wolf people say that bernie sanders would be a right winger in europe everything he says would be a right wing position or at least agreeing with the right wing position because Europeans know that the millionaires and billionaires have controlled everything since the Roman times, but we don't go back to the Roman times. We go back to independent, you know, you know, spiritualism, pioneer spirit, and whatever bullshit. You know, we just <laughs> whatever. But you know, so it's just like we're so pathetic. And Nick Brown, okay, I'll start, I'll finish with this, right? Nick Brown, I, you know, I listen to some of these things. I don't care if this guy is a political genius. Okay. He talked like a, like a junior high school student, not a not a high school student. By the time you reach high school, you make some sense. This guy was like, "Oh yeah, well yeah, well your mama didn't say what I, my mama said, and my mom's my dad could beat up your dad or whatever bullshit." Okay, let me finish with this. Let me finish with this. Dave Chappelle, I'll, I'll finish with this. Give me give me two more, like no, ninety more seconds, please. Dave Chappelle just did this lecture about how all these young freshmen are too stupid to understand. His, he literally said this: "My masterpieces." I am profound. Go look at it. Go look at his Netflix thing, right? Okay, so go look at also 1776. All those people created our government were in their 20s, except Ben Franklin. They were in their 20s. And by the way, oh, because they all died by 35. No, that was bullshit. You died in infancy or by the age of five. If you lived till teenage years, you lived till your 60s and 70s and 80s. I don't remember too many of the founders that like died in their 30s unless it was from a duel or occasional disease. Okay. They all lived in their 60s and 70s and 80s. And yet they were creating our government in their 20s. We are infantilized. We are adolescentized on the left, on the right, on the far left. Okay. On the far right. Everybody, all of us, all of us. Let's look in the mirror. Let's look in the mirror and listen to George Carlin when he said, us. we elected them all on the left, the Green Party, the Conservative Party, the far right, the far left. We all created this vomit that rules us. We did it. Look in the mirror, everybody. Okay, I'll stop with that, Sab. Yeah, and I just want to say uh thanks so much, Lance, for calling in. I'm going to pick up Roger here in just a second. But I just want to say in reference to the credit scores for rent, another reason why that's done is to weed certain people out. Just keeping it real. I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh Roger. You're on the mic. Just have to hit unmute. Roger might have fallen asleep. Roger might have been like, it is past my bedtime. Okay, Roger, I can come back. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go to Ashura. Yeah, um, yeah I'm back. Uh, I have a question for Z- Zainab. Um, is, is, is the thing that's going on with Nick Bronner, is it like sexual harassment or sexual assault? Because uh, it seems like when he was on Jimmy Dore, and he was giving his version of it. It seems like he was like an ex-boyfriend trying to get back in the relationship. And when he went on Sabby's show, it was the same thing. I got the same feeling. It's uh, both. Um, okay. So um, 
I, I, I talked a little bit tonight about uh, how he. Uh, was it when it, when it became physical? Was it the one when you said you were having a party and he wanted to come? He wanted to come to the party. Is, no. Is how many times? How many times can you say no? Okay. Right. How many times? Okay. I would. I ha- I have something. I have a. Uh, I have a disability. Okay. Uh, intracranial hypertension. Okay. Um, it causes like pain in my upper cranial area, and he knows about this. Okay. And there was a time that I I was having pain from this. I had a stroke, and I was in the hospital for seven days for the stroke. Um, back in March of 2021, I believe it was. Um, I was having pain from this and they, they say it's similar to like the pain that a brain tumor causes. Okay. And, uh, we went out to get like some food and stuff like for my travel home because I was supposed to leave in a, in a day or two. Um, we stayed at a hotel. He had the, um, Mary, give me just a moment. He had the like key to the hotel and he had my car keys cause he drove. Okay. And, uh, I, I said no multiple times. This turned into an argument that lasted three and a half hours. And he, he circled the parking lot and then he drove to like a secluded area. Right. Okay. And. No, you don't need to go into details. I just wanted no, to know. He, he still said no. Just, just let me get it out, please. I, I still said no, and he just, he just, I pushed him. I was closing my legs. I was crying. How do you? How do you have sex with somebody who's crying? Wouldn't that be like something that would trigger you to say I, I should stop? But if some, there's consent, there's consent. If somebody says no multiple, multiple times, and if they tell you no means no, they literally tell you that. And then you keep it up. How do you how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile that? He had the keys. My daughter was in the hotel room by herself. He had the keys to my car in the hotel room. And all that I want to do is to get back up to her. But I didn't want to lose my job because I was going to fucking support my daughter if I lost my job. So at the same time, you, you felt like you were coerced at the same time to do it if he didn't. Yes, yes. Um, Sorry, okay. sounds so passionate. Yes, one hundred percent. This was like a this was like a three and a half hour argument about how I might not be a good fit for the people's party if I can't compromise. Yeah, because I was listening to uh, I think your name was Thomas, and I was like, "Well, who the fuck basically stands to talk about five six hours and?" Just because you don't get your way, you want to basically re- go on a on a loop. No, like, what this you is wanna... why board members believed me because they had experienced that. 
in if they disagreed with him, Nick would would keep going. <laughs> he would just keep going. He would keep bringing it up until he finally got his way. This yeah, is a normal stereotypical pattern. Yeah, because I remember when uh, him and Jimmy was talking about like uh, over the People's Party, they tried to bring the mandates on, and they said that a bunch of people from the Democratic Party basically infiltrated the party. That's what that, that's what Nick was saying. Because he was trying to bullshit. I've never worked for the Democratic Party. I'm not involved with the Democratic Party. They ain't giving me no money. Where's my money? Where's my goddamn money? If I was working yeah. for the Democrats. I shouldn't have to be between jobs right now, starving and asking my friends for money to support me through this. Yeah, because I was, I was, I, I, as I was listening, I thought it was weird, but wasn't he's the one that sought you out? So how can you be a democratic uh, operative? He asked if he's the one that he sought, said that I asked him out first. That's a lie. He asked me out first. No, no. When, when I mean, like matter. He it doesn't matter. No, I mean, who asked who out first, though. It, it really no, not 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 Zana, Zana, Zana. I, I think he meant. Uh, it, it, he invited you into the org, so how yes. could you be a democratic operative? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ashura. Yes. Um, no, I wasn't. I was never a Democratic Party operative. Yeah, because I found that weird. And anybody who disagreed with them basically got cut to the side. I mean, even if they're basically you voted on mandates or whatever, and the majority of people basically said no, they didn't want to because they probably wanted to get the vaccine. And whether or not he disagreed with it, like the majority of what the people wanted should have been respected. Well, all that we asked was to have a poll so that we could see like where the majority of the base fell on this issue. Like if, if there's going to be this, then let's have a poll first and see where people fall. Like that to me makes logical sense before we codify it in the, in our, you know, like, um, principles in our, you know, um, policies. We should probably ask people. I want to hear from people. So that the whole thing was, and, and most of the board agreed, like the the board majority agreed, like everyone agreed. We should ask where people fall on this. And it wasn't a thing of most of us were actually anti-mandate, believe it or not, that were on the board that were removed. And so that's what was so crazy about their lies. Like it was so. But we watched this build up over months. We were in the back rooms, like watching this retaliation build up so that Nick could cover up the fact that he did this to me. The fact that he mistreated people, not just me, but other people. The fact that he did this, this was all a cover and he lied to people. He had people in calls. He did this this stuff in order to, to cover it up. That's so messed up, man. Like, what kind of movement? What does that? You know, even with the issues that I had a brain in Congress, they didn't do that kind of thing. You know, like I, I had issues with them, but it was about accountability for our candidates. It was about force the vote. It was about holding AOC accountable. You know, it was. But what what Nick did all had to do with where he was in his mind. Does that make any yeah. sense? No, it no, it makes sense because I'm, I'm, I'm where anyone else was or what anyone else felt. It had to do with what was in his mind. Nothing should be an authoritarian thing but the thing that was so fucked up for me is that he had this authoritarian 
ideology about my body. About my body. About what I was supposed to do for him. And what I was supposed to be for him. In a relationship. That is fucked up, man. And if this person was to gain some kind of power, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do after this? And so I couldn't, like, keep my mouth shut because that's fucked up. That's um, so I'm, I'm up. What is, what just, is this person going to do? I just want to jump in here for a second. Does he think that he's that attractive? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sincerely asking, like, does he think that he's all that? Yes. He looks like he does look like Dennis the Menace with a beard. Oh yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, because I've always found it weird that he never goes on other shows that criticize him. And when he went on Jimmy's show, and I was like, please do not use, do not say TYT, do not say. Uh, the same thing that happened to you, Jimmy Dore with Anna Kasparian's fake Me Too movement. Do not use that because if you use that, Jimmy's going to drop the ball. And Jimmy dropped the ball. And that was like the first time I watched the Jimmy Dore video that I basically had to unlike it because I felt like it was weird. Like this guy was not telling the truth. And Jimmy asked him one last question. Um, do you think that it was okay for your father to be like some kind of, uh, to own the power of the purse? And he, and he gave him like a bullshit answer, and you could tell Jimmy wasn't buying. It's like, oh, do you not think it was better well, to have that you trust? Can I have be honest truth? about that right now? Yeah. Jimmy and Nick are friends, but I've known Jimmy since 2017. I was the person who booked AOC on Jimmy's first podcast when he was still with TYT, right? Um, so I've been in the movement. Like I, I know Jimmy. And I would send, like, Jimmy ideas for, like, stories for his show. And I would send TYT, like, stories for their show. That's what I did. I regret it now because they're asshole shit libs. But that's what I did at the time. And uh, Jimmy and Nick were friends. And I, I felt like Jackson and Jimmy both, they didn't call yeah. me. They didn't yeah. ask what happened. They didn't try to figure anything out. They just had him on and let, they gave him this platform. And that's what, that was really upsetting because they were talking about me before I came forward. I had filed an internal investigation, internal private investigation. And this happened. And you know, I wasn't the person to call Jordan about the story. Jordan messaged me like five days later saying, Hey, I've got the story going on. What's going on? And Jordan and I weren't friends. You know, that, um, that, uh, message that Nick tweeted or whatever that was like said I was close friends with Jordan. That was actually a typo. I'm close friends with Jen. Jen dies and I are close friends. Like we do know each other very well. I worked with her at the people's party, but I am not that close to Jordan. I don't know him like that. You yeah. know, you know Jen like that. So I know people from Stratus like that. Yeah, exactly. And so like that was, that was what was, uh, that was what was confusing, but there was all these, it was like this conglomeration of bullshit. It was just, 
whole bunch of bullshit. And it was things that I had confided in Nick about what happened to me at my previous job, about what happened. And I told the whole board about what happened at BNC. So they were all fully aware before they ever hired me, but they were acting like they were in the dark. That's what's so crazy. It's crazy making as a person to see this happen in real life, to be like, I told you guys, I, I, you know, like you guys know everything that happened. I was at the AOC rally and I talked in front of her office. I did a speech like, and you guys know that I'm not a fucking Democratic Party operative. I ain't got no money. Democratic Party ain't coming to me for shit. Y'all know um, that. Why? I mean, he, he sounds Why? more like a Democratic Party operative himself because he's using their tactics. Well, I mean, he he worked for a, a couple of establishment campaigns. Um, uh, I mean, the, the fact day. that he has people under NDAs makes no sense to me. Like, why are you keeping them under lock and key? Just let them talk. Just defend yourself. Yeah, he grew well, up in the DNC. He grew up with people around him from the Democratic Party because he lived in McLean, Virginia. He went to the high school that, you know, Congress ch- kids of like congressional representatives and shit went to like he has learned this stuff since he was a kid um i'm not making excuses but he has been involved in that forever i grew up in appalachia in a trailer you know (laughs) it's not yeah so you don't you don't you don't want to hang around with the rich kids the rich kids even though i'm poor probably not because <laughs> uh, it seems like that's what he wants. He wants to hang around with the rich kids. Um, one question though, yeah, uh, I noticed on that, I noticed on that website they keep the they keep Jimmy's name, Carla West, uh, Justin Jackson. Like these guys are no longer part of the party, right? Exactly. I, I'm just gonna. I'm glad you mentioned that, Ashura, because they have not updated that information. Yeah, I'm like that's, that's, that's because that's because they don't have anybody competent to update it. You're talking to the only person there who actually knew how to do anything on the technical side. Yeah, because uh, they got all, all these uh, friend, uh, these friendly faces, Jimmy, known faces, popular faces. I'm like, wait, is it, is that the reason why you can't get just anybody to run in in the MPP? You can't get anybody, so you need to you need to get Bernie Sanders to leave the duopoly to go join the MPP. You don't need a Turner to do it. You need AOC to do it. They're not gonna leave the the Democrat Party. They like yep. it there. I I will tell you when uh, Lauren Ashcraft and I are friends. I don't know if you know who Lauren Ashcraft is, but her and I are we're we're good friends. And she messaged me and she's like, I need this stuff (laughs) taken off MPP. Like, fuck these assholes. Like, um, but she um, it was difficult because she did speak at their 2020 rally and and she was there. Michaela Michaela was too. Michaela Wilkes. Um, but Lauren messaged me, and the thing is, is Thomas and I were the ones doing that work. This isn't a massive organization. There's only a few people, and that's what's sad is because it could have been a massive organization, but because of the culture there, it drove people away. You know, yeah, and so, yeah. like I wrote in the chat, um, they basically got a lot of money, like 120K this year or last year. I'm like, that money could have been used for mutual aid. Like the MPP should either should have never been a political party, maybe a mutual aid party, a mutual aid organization. If they could amass that much money. 
because well, they don't I have was, candidates. I was that, one of the uh, electors in Ohio. I was one of the electors in Ohio. One of the things that the state party here in Ohio was working on was is we wanted to get something like that going, like mutual aid and local stuff like that. But the thing is, is Nick, it, to me, this is just my impression. It always felt like he was trying to go for a get rich quick scheme. Like he wanted to use somebody's clout or he wanted to take, you know, you know, take advantage of, of a situation that occurred nationally or that's in the news cycle. And he wanted to use that to try to build the movement rather than doing, you know, the real work, the hard work that is organizing on the ground and building move actual movement building from the ground up. And, and that the two sides of that just kept clashing heads and, you know, it, it was that exact struggle constantly inside the org was, is there were a lot of people that wanted to build from the ground up. And I, I just, I don't, I don't really believe at this point, I don't believe Nick believed in building from the ground up. That's just my opinion. Mm, uh, one last question. I'm just going to, I'm going to say to Sabi, uh, you said like tonight that um, Anna Kasparian was like fat shaming. I think we fat shaming Joe Rogan or somebody. I forget who, who she was fat shaming. But I just want to tell you that uh, Anna Kasparian, in her past, she used to be fat, and they fat shamed her. So I don't understand this bully mentality that she has a fat shaming people, even though she knows she was fat. Oh, she knows she fat shamed Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. But I, but I find that weird. She's calling Alex Jones a fat fuck, but you, they used to call you basically all the nasty names because you were overweight. So why you promote? Why are you doing the same thing they used to do to you? I didn't know that um, she used to be overweight, but honestly, Ashura, that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon for people to have been in that situation and then they lose the weight and then they pick on the people who were like they were. That's actually not uncommon. Um, And that's sad. You think they would know better, but (sighs) Anna Kasparian is a joke to me. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I just... There are things that I know about her that you guys don't know and the things that she's done to people like in this space. And all I will say is this, like she's fake and it just, I don't take, don't take her seriously. She's another classist, (laughs) another (laughs) classist, but I thought that was hitting below the belt. Like, listen, I critique people, but I, you never hear me call people fat or, or like, you know, ugly or, but I mean, I said tonight, I, you know, I, I asked like, does Nick Bronner think he's all that? Like, that's a serious question. Like, I'm wondering, like, does he really think he's all that? But I wouldn't well, say she, they're someone ugly or they're well, fat. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how far they, do you watch, uh, did you watch TYT? But Anna does have a body complex because, um, there are people making compilations of the old Anna and the new Anna. And they're saying like, she probably, the same way she said she was, Fat shame, she had a, also a body image problem. So I'm pretty sure that's that that's the culture the liberals have made for themselves. Um, and I don't think basically if you guys were ever, ever to debate, she would want to debate you because Anna Kasparian seems to, she seems to pick the black women she wants to go after. Like Brianna, Gar- Brianna Joe Gray is an easier target because she's not going to want to fight with her. Uh, Anna Kasparian isn't really going to go after um like she's gonna debate conservatives for the most part right but uh let's not even say debate let's just say talk to she's not gonna talk to someone like me 
She's not going to talk to anyone at RBN. She's not going to talk to Nico House. Like I said, there's a lot of things I know that you guys don't know, but and I'm not going to say it because it's not my story to tell. But well, yeah, whole, like, like like she said, the hoes be knowing, so you don't want to tell. So <laughs> yeah, there there have been several instances where Anna Kasparian has been low key racist yeah. to people in space. I will say that. Well, anyways, I'll let I'll let case study case study be be the next caller then. Oh yeah, case. All right, Case, you're on the mic. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I, I dropped out because I pressed the mute button is too close to the the leave button. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say when you um back when you uh, first bring me back on to talk um that I think we this is a great case study for lack of a better word of how um organization uh needs to operate right. So I'm really taking notes of Zanab's story. Um, of the whole movement for people's parties, uh, how they deal with different things, and 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 I'm I'm here taking notes for, you know, my uh, hopefully something that I will be launching soon, and and also there was the story on the, in the Intercept of of all the progressive groups, so-called progressive groups, that were supposed to be lobbying Congress and supposed to be active on Congress, but yet they're too busy having internal strife and internal issues where they have to shut down operations for like eight weeks and just discuss internal problems. And I'm here listening and reading and just taking notes because these are all things we have to make sure that when, when we start progressive organizations, we learn from the past and make sure we don't make the same mistakes going forward into the future. And the, the last thing I'll say is even the, um you know, that the notorious list that I talked to Nick uh, Cruz and CJ about that, that CIA uh, list of the 10 different things that they know how to disrupt and, and uh, infiltrate organizations. These are all things I'm just taking notes like, okay, we got to make sure that these are the things that we make sure all the members of the group know we're not going to make, let this issues happen to our organization we have to learn from it we have to move on and hopefully uh have a a a better organization that we can help get progressive change moving forward well said case thank you so much for that um and i also want to give a uh quick shout out before i forget to jordan sheraton uh for sharing um tonight's story he did share it on twitter um, I really do appreciate that because uh, Jordan and I don't agree on everything and we don't always get along. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I appreciate like the work that he does and I appreciate him like sharing uh, Zineb's story uh, as well. Um, Marco, you're going to be the last caller because it's getting a little late. So you're on the mic. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um just want to say, Zainab and Thomas, thank you for sharing your struggle, and I'm so sorry for what happened to y'all, and especially Zainab. That's like that's just like that's just the worst fucking shit, and I'm so sorry. Um, but you know, I, I'm just like listening to y'all, and and I'm an organizer as well. I organize with the DSA. I'm I'm the treasurer for the political action committees for our ballot measures, so I have a sense of the money, you know, and like. One of the ballot measures we won, we we won it with sixty five thousand dollars, and like, that's a lot of money for individuals, but that's like not a lot of money for for business. 
um, you know, I, I worked at the software company and they told me, I won't bore you with the details, but they told me that our, you know, my, my portion of the revenue from the client was $500,000. And I don't expect to be paid $500,000 for that year, but the fact that they paid me 60 means they were really fleecing me. So like all of us workers, if we just owned our business, we would have, and we could control the profits of, of the place where we worked. That would be all the money we need for our political organizing. So like I, I'm hearing all of you and it's like we all need to, every single one of us needs to be in a union worker cooperative and we'll get like, the, they're never going to give us a living wage. We're going to have to seize it. You know, like if you can seize the means of production, not just seize it where you slow it down or you, or you stop it, but seize it where you take it. If we can take the means of our production, we can have the profits of our labor, and that would be all the money we would need for, for organizing. Uh, so that, that's just some thoughts I have. I, uh, I, it's just hard to start a business, right? So it's like, it's like a long-term plan, but I think it's a really important strategy for our future. We need to plant the seeds now to where we can control our profit later. Well said, Marco. I, I agree 100%. And Roger Meadows talks a lot about worker co-ops, and he's a part of a worker co-op as well. Um, we're going to have to do this ourselves. Like, we can't rely on uh, – <laughs> we can't rely, rely on the Democrats or the Republicans to really help us. Like, we have to help each other, and that's what I'm going to focus on doing. Uh, Zineb and Thomas, uh, final thoughts before we go? Um, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you know um... – Get out there, talk to your community, talk to your neighbors, um, you know, get neighborhood uh, councils together, um, you know, and and start talking about the issues you guys are facing and come up with plans on how to solve it together um, in, in a mutual aid structure. And, you know, um, cooperatives, that might be one path is forming a, a buyer cooperative with your community, with your neighborhood um, to help purchase uh you know, items at reduced rates and things that people need, everyday items, you know. Um, uh, well, well, buying and producing, produce them. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, but you know, there's there's various ways we can tackle the problem. And, you know, I, I'd love to see, you know, neighborhood buyer co-ops, uh, you know, purchasing from uh, a- a- agricultural uh, producer co-ops um, in, in my ideal scenario. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I, I think uh, – you know, uh, local local is the direction that we have to go. And um, just to a side uh, point real quick um, that you brought up, Sabrina, about, uh, um, you know, is the national, is MPP, what was it a party, was it not? Um, a party is, you know, a, a legal entity that, that exists under the, under the statutes of the FEC, the FEC regulations. Um, it, you know, before that, it can be incorporated as like, a, a an entity with the IRS and a, and an, an exempt tax status, et cetera. But it really doesn't become a party until it's registered with the, with the FEC and the FEC for a national party, it has certain regulations on, um, what, uh, you know, you have to run, you have to have so many state parties first and those state parties have to mount, they have to be on the ballot and they have to mount, um, so many candidates at the federal level first before you can even apply to convert your tax exempt IRS, you know, um, filed legal entity 
into an entity that is recognized with the with the FEC. And so at this point in time, there is no way for them to be a national party. It, it, it's impossible for them to be a national party until they do the requisite work of filing at the state, forming the state parties and running candidates, federal can, uh, federal congressional candidates th- from those state parties. Um, and that's that's partly why, like when they say, well, we're not a party right now, that's because they uh, part of the explanation for that is because legally they can't be a party right now. Um, I, hopefully that clarifies some things. I know you were you were talking about that. You're asking about that earlier in the much earlier in the call. So I wanted to try to address that while, you know, right before the end um, to answer that for you. So. Thanks so much, Thomas. Zineb. Um, Sabby, thank you for, uh, you know, I know you interviewed Nick. You know, you asked for receipts. You you brought him on. You gave him a platform. I respect you for that. As a journalist, I'm a journalist. I respect that. Um, but thank you for um, bringing me on tonight to let me share what happened to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I think that as far as organizing goes, we should be we're distracted by federal politics, right? Um, we're distracted by what Rokan is doing. He's not even in our district and he's an ass. I get it. We should report on it. <laughs> but we're distracted. We're a little bit distracted by it. We should be focusing right now about what our state houses are doing because all these laws that are being passed, like I'm in Kentucky, that was a trigger law state for abortion. So that <clears throat> happened right away that abortion was illegal in Kentucky. And there's no exceptions for anything, even though it should be legal blanketly. There's no exceptions. Um, we got to really, I, I can't stand electoral politics. I'm done with it because I lived through it. I know what happens in the back rooms. I know this bullshit. But we got to pay attention to what's happening in our local elections, our school boards, our, you know, our um, city councils, our state houses, because these people are making a lot more decisions for us than federally. And as the Supreme Court keeps pushing things more and more onto the states, we're going to have to be more and more focused on it. So go to your state houses, race fucking hell. If you're a poor person like me from Appalachia, you know, or from anywhere from the Rust Belt, from middle America, from the cities, from wherever you are, go out and make your voice heard because you know what? We don't need, I worked, I, I was an advisor for Bernie's 2020 campaign. I know what happened behind the scenes in, scenes there too. We don't need a hero. We have to get out. We have to organize. We have to show up and we have to do it ourselves. Um, so make your voices heard because your voice has power. Your, your presence has power. Don't ever forget that. Show up, say your thing. I told my truth tonight. Tell your truth, whatever it is. Go out there. We're struggling, man. Shit's hard. It sucks so bad. And we're marching toward fascism. We're in poverty. We're hungry. We don't have health care. I can't even remember when I had I had health care for like four years while after I had my daughter and I was on assistance for like four years. I was on Medicaid and I was like, whoa, hallelujah. But other than that in my life, I never had it. 
but we are paying 35% in our taxes. We're living like we're living. Just watch out for the grift, even on the left. Um, hold accountability. Go out and organize. Talk to your neighbors and love the people that will organize with you. Bring them in and let's raise some hell. All right. Well said. You guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. I know it's been a long week. Everybody get some rest. Enjoy your weekend. And I'm signing off. Peace out. Thank you, Sabrina, for having us on. And, uh, and uh, yeah, for uh, <laughs> as long as this was, this was a really long one. So we appreciate it. Thanks so much.